I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no stranger to Smedley Butler, the Bonus Army, um, the Federal Reserve, although he doesn't really have anything to do with no, that. No, he doesn't, and now our listeners have almost no reason to listen to this week's show. Bionic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of the Future Quake Show. It's great to be back with you. appreciate your uh, loyalty to us here on the show and uh, tolerating all of the, the crazy topics and interesting shows we've had the last few weeks for sure. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but we're getting out there in the ether sometimes. This is another classic show um, where we actually talk about a heroic figure who took great risks of their personal life to expose deception and falsehood. Mm-hmm. And the stakes were so high for what we're going to talk about. We have the highest decorated soldier in American history. Mm-hmm who withstood ridicule and being called a conspiracy theorist and everything to single-handedly stopping an overthrow of our government back in the 30s. You know, it's so interesting that we're actually we're actually coming on to this subject about this gentleman, uh, Smedley Butler. Uh, I just had a conversation with somebody last night about the fact that, uh, and we can get into this maybe, I don't know, later on or, or talk about it mm-hmm. now, but the whole idea that uh, really our culture destroys the idea of... Um, biblical manhood if you will where you know it's always it's always the the people portrayed in culture are always this kind of disheveled kind of stupid looking dude on the talk show and that's mm-hmm. or the tv show spedley butler was exactly the opposite you know he was this guy who was highly intelligent got stuff done mm-hmm. did things he needed to do um, man of duty. Man of duty. Understood man of what honor. needed to be done and would would do it, whatever it took to yeah. do. Yeah, and would even go so far as to sacrifice uh, his career and himself. Uh, I think he even gave up mm-hmm. large sums of money right. to go and do this whole thing uh, and try and you know do do the things he did. But around the rough exterior that a marine general has to be when you've had lots of combat experience. Mm-hmm. In the middle of all that, he was very tender-hearted and sacrifice to care for the people he loved and cared about. Yes, exactly. Even people he'd never met mm-hmm. that uh, had suffered. Yeah. He made sure he used his energies to make sure they were taken care of. Yes. And it's not just the military members. We'll find out he was committed to our veterans, but he mm-hmm. was committed to our whole nation. Yes. He and was... every one of us have, have lived a better life because of what he did. Well, you made the comment, um, you made the comment that, he may be one of the most important people of the 20th century, and that hardly anybody knows about him. I, I stand by that. Well, I, I believe that's the case. Uh, America would have been a different place yep. right now had he not stood up. And what our listeners are going to find out about if they're not familiar with Smedley Butler. A lot of brown shirts and red ties would be hanging out all over the joint. That's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 this story will tell you again, yet again, what one person can do when mm-hmm. they stand up for what's right. And they even stand up against people around them, people that try to dissuade them. Mm-hmm. When they stand up for what's right, they can make a difference in the world. A lot of times there's sacrifices you have to do mm-hmm. to do what's right and to make a difference. Yeah. But um, at least we here respect people like that, even if our government doesn't recognize them. Yeah. Even if there aren't parades in their honor or federal holidays or whatever, mm-hmm. we salute General Butler, and you'll find out why well, in we our should, discussion. Yeah. Here. I like the idea of the... 
the Smithy Butler Award. Maybe we should work on that. Yeah, we'll talk about it. You'll hear about that in the interview here. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with him, you're in for a treat. And we've got Mr. Adam Parfrey, who is the publisher of Feral House Publishing, a very far-out underground publisher. Um, I assume for most of you all, most of his publications will not be to your taste. But for some of them, they really will be. And uh, he is a very free libertarian type guy that uh, just does what he thinks needs to be done. And his proclivity in publishing is to things that people will not touch. Just like on Future Quest, we have topics that are taboo that nobody will touch. He does that in the publishing world. He's like the Smedley Butler of the publishing world. In the same way. I don't know how many people he's killed, but... (laughs) But aside he tried from to that, take over Nicaragua with a book publishing house. Yeah. Beside that, I don't know if he could do the obstacle course either, you know, the marine mm, yeah. thing. But other than that, in many ways, he's bold in his own respect. Mm, he's bold to come on the future quake. I give him great respect. From a very different culture. It is sort of things. like an obstacle course and, mm-hmm. you know, very like painful. Hazing. Right. <laughs> and uh, we, we hope that you will enjoy him. So with no further ado, we're introducing Mr. Adam Parfrey, publisher of Feral House Publishing, uh, talking about how General Butler saved our republic and exposed the lies of war. And then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. I am Tom, no stranger to technical problems, but able to overcome Bionic. Yeah, that's some foreshadowing <laughs> of some issues we had here. Our yep. new guest uh, today has been very patient with us mm-hmm. for a very, very important show uh, that he's made time for. Uh, this week we have Adam Parfrey, who is the publisher of Feral House Publishing, and we're going to talk about something very, very important. Our topic this week is how General Butler saved our republic and exposed the lies of war. Uh, Adam Parfrey, I want to welcome you to your inaugural visit to the Future Quake radio show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleased to be here. And thank you for still hanging on the phone after our problems we had here starting out. Um, yeah, I think this is a place that you will find that you will really enjoy and feel at home uh, at and can appreciate your work. And uh, I know you're going to share with us a, a good bit about a person and an issue that we believe every Futurian listening needs to know about. To begin our discussion today, could you start out by explaining what Feral House is and what its purpose well, Feral House started at a time when uh, this new material that you, you get to see that you can publish a book like print on demand and online and blog. It, when I started in the 80s, that was a time when it was just a uh, good, just a, a gentleman's club of people with uh, high-paying jobs in uh, New York City having martini lunches with agents and so on. It was it wasn't about the best thing possible. It was about uh, doing books that uh, paid off this kind of gentleman's club well. And uh, at that time, I felt that there was a lot of crucial issues that were overlooked in the publishing world. And uh, I was lucky enough to find a, um, a distributor, uh, an independent distributor. It was independent at that time that would get our books out to a wider audience than probably could be expected with the kind of money I had to start the, such a uh, company. It, mm-hmm. um, so we got our books into Barnes & Noble and major independent bookstores at that time, and that was phenomenal because it's, I, I was intimidated by the idea of publishing, that, thinking that you needed millions of dollars to do that. 
Right. And uh, I, I discovered that, you know, I, I had saved up $5,000 and I was able to start publishing with that amount. Wow. That's amazing. And you've had such a tremendous impact on the culture. I know you were a legend in Southern California, and now you've relocated up to the farthern, northern, northwesternmost corner, I guess, of the contiguous U.S., correct? Yes, it is quite a bit different from L.A., that's for sure. And it's convenient, too, if you have to run for your life, it's easier to make a skirmish across the border where you are now. All you need is a, a little motorboat, and you're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the material that you've covered and, and other people's work that uh, you've summarized, I, I, I could see you could relate. You've probably thought this stuff through. You know, I, I, I take you from just, just my exposure to your website and to the books that you publish, that you're the, the kind of person that is fascinated by strange and amazing untold stories uh, and are, are, seem to be a very libertarian kind of guy and very unbiased uh, in the selections that you uh, carry. And, and as a result, I just want to mention to some of our listeners, future listeners, that if they go to your website, uh, they may find some topics they may be offended by uh, somewhat of some of your books on the website. But, I, but I'd like to remind them uh, that they would also be offended by books carrying by Amazon.com and Barnes and Normal as well, uh, because it's a free and open marketplace of, of different tastes and purposes. But there, there are at least a number of books I know that you have that are very important that you've published that really aren't available anywhere else. And I just really appreciate you taking the effort to do it. And that's particularly pertaining to a book we're going to talk about uh, tonight in our discussion. Could, could we begin that discussion uh, on this man who is the subject? Uh, of, of what we'll be speaking on, Marine General Smedley Butler, who could be perceived as uh, the most important American, I believe, of the 20th century uh, in terms of what the impact of what he had on our on our society in America, but who unfortunately few people know about in, in our society, as you well know. Uh, by, by starting a little bit with discussing his experience in military leadership and his uh, overseas military operations. I know your book we're going to talk about called War is a Racket that he wrote is one of your hallmark publications. And, and through this, I know from writing the foreword that you've done a lot of research on this gentleman as well, too, in reading. So could you start off our discussion by just telling a little bit about his military career and, and the kind of experiences and adventures he had? Hello, Adam. Uh, hi. I, I, I couldn't hear you at the end of your yeah, statement. Adam, could you just tell us a little bit about uh, General Butler and the military, his military experience, the kind of things that he did, and the adventures he got into? Well, uh, Smedley Butler, his middle name is Darlington. Uh, his name is Smedley D. Butler, generally. And uh, he became at the, the highest, uh, in the highest hierarchy in the military system as a brigadier general. Um, he was uh, court-martialed, actually, at one point uh, when in, uh, during the Hoover administration uh, for saying something that uh, Benito Mussolini didn't like. <laughs> and that I found phenomenal. Uh, but we have to go back to American history a little bit at that time. During the period when... Um, uh, President Hoover was uh, his administration going on around the time of the the first Great Depression. Uh, are we in the second Great Depression now? We'll see. <laughs> You're but right. the but the um, the first Great Depression 
um, what was going on was that there was a, a, a prior to that and when we slid into depression, there was a great regard for fascist corporate state. The fascist corporate state at that time was Italy. I mean, this is a time when Hitler wasn't yet elected to office, and uh, there was a whole issue of Fortune magazine uh, from 1932, I believe, or, or is it 29? It's 29, I think, where they're just singing the praises of Benito Mussolini and his fascist state uh, because they could overcome these horrible things like labor unions and make sure that people worked uh, more and for less so the, corporate, the corporations could make more money. And corporations were pouring money into Italy at that time because they found a great partner in their corporate uh, sphere in Benito Mussolini. The Fortune magazine is proof to this. Yeah, make sure when you, when you mention fascism, a lot of people don't understand yeah. what that term means. Fascism, another word I've heard for it is corporatism, where the government mm -hmm. works together with corporations, uh, where it's sort of seamless, but it's not like a, a socialist scenario. This, this is one that's for the benefit of the corporate state as mm -hmm. well. It's one that's yeah. preferable for them, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, there, there are, you know, like I can't say that there are not no benefits to that in a in a in a state that with uh where labor unions and workers have more power there are problems obviously at times when people go on strike and then if the workers feel their oats and uh, do things that you know there are breakdowns in society now and then the trains don't run on time remember that issue uh, regarding Mussolini so right. the, there was that whole uh, the, there was a very great fondness with corporations at that time, with the, the the fascist state. The fascist state basically is socialism for corporations. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, somewhat like uh, what George W. Bush and, to a degree, Obama does mm -hmm. now. Right. Uh, you know when they're giving huge taxpayer-funded bailouts, and then the CEOs can take home millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Then we're like, is, is, I guess that's not socialism. It's socialism for rich people, but let extremely me ask, rich people. Let me ask you, Adam, from what I remember reading in this book, uh, up to this time, he, he, he was really doing the bidding of whatever the government asked him to do. Uh, it was an era of great... Uh, imperialism of our country mm -hmm. we were we were invading right. a lot of other countries uh and he was the point man uh going on and making this happen in far remote reaches to put the american flag and he started yeah. finding out and i know we'll talk about this more later that it wasn't so much identifiable that these actions were on behalf of the american people but certain corporate interests that were embedded with government officials that needed that property mm -hmm. it's where we get the terms like banana republics uh, from United Fruit Company that needed new places to grow their their strain of bananas and things like this, mm -hmm. but but the, the the scenario I understand that you're referring to and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he he retold a story about an incident where a where the motorcade for Mussolini hit a child and ran over it, yeah. and, and Mussolini yeah. said something about well what is 
you know, they didn't stop or anything. He says, what's one small child in the affairs of the state? And yeah. he had the the audacity to actually recite that story, and he really offended not only our own government, who was kowtowing to the fascists, but also Time Magazine and the New York Times, who I understood to really support him. Is that is that correct, that our mainstream media were, were actually well, real supportive of fascism and took offense to what he said? Well, it, it, I think Time Magazine and even the New York Times enters in another uh, area with Smedley Butler, but at this point, with the Benito Mussolini comment, it had to do with an embarrassment with the executive branch, with Hoover and his generals uh, at that time. And they didn't, they didn't want, they felt that it was a black eye that uh, Smedley Butler spoke up uh, too much, that he was a, a wild cannon, and he shouldn't have said that. And to, uh, you know, to, to make him act in a more civil manner uh, to this man who won two medals of honor at that time, they did a court-martial just for just repeating a story about Mussolini killing this child in a motorcade. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was was primarily that the media actually came in and uh, defended Smedley Butler, and as a result of the media defending Smedley Butler, there was an outcry within the country that this hero, uh, General Butler, was being uh, suddenly an uh, outcast and uh, removed from his uh, general, uh, his uh, leadership as a result of Benito Mussolini, who should be considered at that point, even, uh, kind of an enemy to the state. Now, he he was the highest decorated military soldier ever, correct? Or something to that effect in our government? Yeah, Smet, well, if he wasn't an officer, Smedley Butler would have won three medals of honor. Uh, wow. He was awarded some other medal. Uh, he was the highest. He was extremely adventurous, and uh, he defended his what he, why he was so well loved uh, by people generally, was that he would defend the the common soldier, where hmm. many generals were not, you know, in favor of doing that. They were looking after themselves, looking at ways they can, you know, climb the ladder to the highest possible, make the most money. But Smedley Butler was interested in other things. He was interested in the common foot soldier. He was also interested in defending American uh, soil. Uh, He wasn't really that interested in having uh, his foot soldiers killed in uh, overseas uh, situations where the only thing they were defending was a corporate profit motive. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's and what it, happened with the United Fruit Company in Central America and also in the Philippines with various corporate entities. It was even more more overt than what it is now. I mean, we will do it for oil interest and things like that, but back then uh, it was just blatant that they were basically wiping out governments and villages and things with the corporate mm-hmm. people right on their heels, just planning and establishing and basically taking over the land for next to nothing, Correct. Yes, that's apparently what occurred, yes. And and General Butler was one of the few people 
who stopped and said, wait a minute, what's going on here with all this and, and what's happening well, to, to, to our men? There are a few things that made him wake up to that, you know. Basically, you know, his role as a soldier was to follow orders from uh, the commander-in-chief, the president. And that's what he did. That's He was a soldier. That was how he was trained, and that's what he did. And he did an amazing job, and he got into – actually, Will Thomas, who wrote about uh, Lawrence of Arabia uh, – he wrote a whole book on Smedley Butler and his adventures and victories in his warfare and how he combated uh, the enemy. But what Smedley Butler discovered, not that the enemy was some great person, but that his fellow foot soldiers that he led were being killed as a result of not defending um, any uh, reason for it, no security problem. It wasn't like people were uh, from Central America, the Philippines, were invading the United States. This was an adventure overseas just for the sake of a profiting corporate entity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with defending the United States or defending Americans from anything. So this is not just so, a recent, not a recent debate of the last uh, five or ten years in our country. This behavior goes back a long way. It, it's funny. It, it's it's more of the same. You could say, you know, mm. these. Uh, uh, why why we went to Iraq is debatable, uh, but we know you can ask this word uh, phrase "qui bono." Who benefited from that? Right. Who made incredible profits as a result of it? And that's what General Butler understood. That's how General Butler began to sort of have all the pieces together, right, was he started to see who who had a financial stake and could pull the strings. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, He got a big lesson in the uh, real politic, as they call it, in the way uh, American wars occurred. Uh, and the wars he was involved with in Central America and the Philippines. Um, we're not talking about other wars, uh, the, the supposed good wars, like the Revolutionary War, for example, or other things. But they were talking about the situation he was in at that time and the expansion of a, a American hegemony and profit. But, but that affected how he viewed other wars, and, and that's what we're going to talk about in this book. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I'd like to give uh, Smedley Butler a Nobel Prize Bionic. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Well, you know, we were we were talking here just a second ago, and it's a point mm-hmm. I'd like to bring up. It's interesting that... Right, we mentioned that in the interview later on. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, um, uh, you know, Smedley Butler labored in obscurity, and uh, we now have a sitting president who's been honored with a Nobel Prize for Peace, and only a week later has... Uh, talked about sending troops to Afghanistan, a troop increase. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the General General McChrystal, uh, the gentleman there uh, who's kind of overseeing Afghanistan, has said that there's likely no more than 100 or so Taliban uh, and Al-Qaeda, well, 100 or so Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan these days. Mm. But we need a troop increase. But you know how to keep the Taliban at bay. We read about that on the show. They have that office in Kabul. You go pay them money, and they agree not to attack you. Yes. 
Well, it's a, it's sort of a racketeering type mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. we participate in it. Unknowingly, we, we yes. Support, not unknowingly, we go pay them the money. We oh, I thought, me, them, I thought like me and you. Well, like. I'm not talking about you and me, but I'm talking about our government. <laughs> oh, yes, goes and hands so. them money, as we, as we read in the story, as CBS News said, that they actually go and pay money. So they can basically control what the American public sees and whether we get attacked and need more stuff or yeah. whether we are successful. Mm-hmm. So they can Detroit, but how much money they give our enemy. So it's a, it's a handshake deal, money passing between us and our enemy, mm-hmm. and the ones to deceive are the American public. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's interesting to note that we have this whole run up with, uh, um, you know, run up in troop increases, and there, you know, all of a sudden there are problems in Afghanistan now because, uh, you know, numbers are slipping at home in the polls, and you know, suddenly there's the saber rattling with Iran and. You know, it's almost like on cue. Mm-hmm. Well, what scares me is that this whole thing about how we're paying money to our enemy in, in the Taliban mm-hmm. to not attack us and to create a scenario on what we want to show the public, mm-hmm. uh, where else has that gone on? I, I would be shocked if that was the only time that was ever tried well, by an enemy. And, and uh, this is very, very germane to our conversation given uh, Smedley Butler's work in um, Nicaragua and the other places. Uh, essentially working, you know, there wasn't ever, ever a formal deal to sign that you know of, but uh, it was essentially he was doing the bidding of United Fruit. Well, he, he was doing the orders of the president and, and what the chain of command did, but as he studied it more over time, he realized he was not fighting to protect American interests. Mm-hmm. He was fighting to create profit centers mm-hmm. for corporate businesses that were paying their government people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a warning for people on the left who feel like if there's enough regulation and enough oversight by the government, they're the saviors to keep the corporate world in check. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. The, no. the government is the one who uses their coercive for power. They're bought by the corporate people to mm-hmm. do the bidding of the corporate people. Mm-hmm. So the only way you can minimize that is to minimize the power of government. Otherwise, they will do their bidding, just like in food processing or, you know, food. They do the bidding of the Monsantos yeah. and the other kind of people like that. Once they leave government place, they go work for those mm-hmm. companies. Well, and I can tell you, I can tell you as personal experience, when I eat, when I eat organic food, I feel a hundred times better. Really? Wake up, yeah, it's, it's true. You can even, even go so far as to eat a very Spartan diet. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's all, you know. All is, your, stuff. is your strength 100 times normal? Um, what feats of strength? What is that like from... Uh, like picking up a car and stuff? Well, no. Okay. I mean, maybe one time in anger, mm-hmm. but only to throw it at somebody. Okay. Well, speaking of strong, uh, Murr, would you come in here and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, it's all over. Oh, we're done. Okay, come back tomorrow uh, for the next segment with Adam Parfrey talking about General Butler. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time 
as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Dunn, been learned in three grade, but no higher, bionic. That one will have to remain a mystery to all of us. But it's great to be back with you here at Future Quake. Indeed. This is our second installment today of our interview with Mr. Adam Parfrey, who is the publisher of Feral House Publishing, uh, talking about how General Butler saved our republic and exposed the lies of war. Mm-hmm. A classic story that every one of y'all need to be aware of. Uh, and I just want to thank again Mr. Parfrey for coming on. He yeah. didn't know who we were, and we had those crazy technical problems. Something new this time. It always happens when field. we have an important thing going yeah, on. Yeah, so about a left field, and it was weird because it was right on the cusp of working where it wasn't like an all or nothing. It was on the edge of signal problems. Yeah. We got her fixed, but we had a little abbreviated time, and that's why you poor people are having to suffer and hear a little bit more Dr. Future and Tom mm-hmm. because we had a little abbreviated top. But we got all the essential elements out there, as you'll hear, uh, all this week. Yeah. And uh, if you now, have, I would like to comment a little bit on uh, Mr. Parfrey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things he mentioned is, you know, he saw how things were being done there. And, you know, it was all of these people getting long lunches and by his own admission, getting long lunches and martini lunches and, you know, making in the publishing. High, yeah, industry. In the publishing yeah. industry, big salaries and everything. And he really saw it as a machine. You know, he said, this right. isn't right. You know, this right. is stifling all sorts of things. And I just don't I don't like it. So with five grand, he started his own hut publishing house. Right. There, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really, I respect that. How many times have we had people on that with just very little money uh, in relation to their whatever they did, um, you know, they did something, and it changed, ended up changing the world. That's you know? right. That's you know? exactly right. I, you know, like uh, Chris White has done that, and uh, you know, of course, mm-hmm. Jason Burmis, you know, right, uh, right. With mm-hmm. uh, and now, you know, Alex him. Jones, he started on public access TV. Mm-hmm. That's I, when he told him that uh, he had word that there were some uh, planes going to hit the World Trade Center a couple of months before nine one one, and mm-hmm. said that it was going to be blamed on Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. From public that. access television. I, I, I've seen those clips, man. He's like. Shaking his hands, he's saying, look, mm-hmm. it says right here that they've thought about this, yeah. and you better not, you know. Yeah. You know, Adam Parfrey, from what I've read, is considered the like the number one underground independent book publisher maybe in America. Really? Yeah. Wow, what's he doing on our show? I don't know. He must be really hard <laughs> up. Must be a terrible... Times are tough for everybody. terrible <laughs> blow in his business to have to resort yeah. to us, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm it's glad Almost he like did. panhandling yeah. <laughs> to be around us. But, you know, I'm glad he did. If he, yeah. had, if he was really hard up, I'm so glad because yeah. then he could be with us. But mm-hmm. hopefully that's not what it is. Yeah. Uh, but he's a w- wonderful gentleman. Now, mm-hmm. I, I warn you all, uh, I'll try to mention this for our new listeners on the radio. If you go to his website, uh, feralhouse.com, and you are of a future quake kind of mind of liking the strange and exotic and the stories that are untold. There's a lot of books that are like that. There's some other kind of stuff that you would probably be uncomfortable with. Um, but as we've said before, you'll find that same thing at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a little bit more condensed form I mean, in his place. Barnes & Noble, you go to the Christianity section, and they got the Gospel of Judas and the Gospel of Thomas up there. And mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? So, And we treat all of you all as mature people out there. 
uh, who are looking at the lo- roads less traveled. You want your brain and mind challenged. Mm-hmm. You want your own substance challenged. And that means we rub shoulders with opinions that are very different from ourselves. And certainly the in last few cases, weeks yeah, this has have been, been an like, indication of that. I'm going to have to put some uh, salve on each shoulder because it's been a really... A lot of shoulder rubbing. A lot of shoulder rubbing. But, you know, if we don't do it, who won't? Who will? Uh, in fact, I feel like... Gosh, there's so many funny things I want to say right if, there, if but we I'm going to refrain. <laughs> if we can make you a little uncomfortable with thoughts that are, are mm-hmm. originally maybe repel you or make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then we've done our job. We're kind of like antioxidant tea for the mind. That's exactly what I was like thinking. Flush you out. Mm-hmm. You know, like chai tea or something. Yeah. But you know, um, if you have a set of exercise equipment and it doesn't burn in your muscles, it just like feels really good while mm-hmm. you're doing it. It's probably not doing anything, is it? That's true. It's not going to create anything. It's the resistance. It's the strain. Mm-hmm. It's the burn. It's the uncomfortableness. Well, and is even, what makes progress, and that's what I hope. Even this Proverbs, is. you know, says it's uh, iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. you know. And, and there's sparks fly when that happens. Sometimes. Yeah. You know. So hopefully Future Quake makes you strain and sweat and <laughs> struggle. Furrow your brow that's what, and that's what maybe we're here grunt. for. <laughs> it's almost like the, uh, the, the uh, curse of the garden all over again, <laughs> just listening to Future Quake. <laughs> Well, having said that, I think it's time to go join Mr. Parfrey. Let's go check what uh, he's got going on. And let's on. let's see what he has to say about General Smedley Butler and how he saved the Republic and exposed the lies of war. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back to talk about it here on Future Quake. But the key event that happened in his life, I think defining in, in, in his future, happened with this yep. whole event with the Bonus Army, uh, where we have the World War One vets coming on Washington trying to get the benefits they were promised and and trying to have some involvement by at least being in the visible eye of the legislators there in the Washington area. And they called in General Butler to help try to keep up the morale of these people that had set up these little towns where they were living. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened with that and why that was such a critical turning point? Well, uh, General Butler was involved in the First World War and his foot soldiers, uh, he had was highly regarded by the, uh, the the privates and all that. But he, uh, what he was during the Great Depression, uh, nobody had any money. There was no like food stamps or Medicare or Medi-Cal or uh, welfare at that point in American uh, history. What was going on? People were literally starving to death, including soldiers from the First World War who were promised this money come like 1940 or so. It was like five to seven years prior to that. They wanted to get a portion of that money they were promised. However, the Congress at that time, which was a Republican-dominated Congress, didn't, didn't want to pay that. And what happened at that time was that a lot of soldiers, a lot of vets, went to Washington, D.C. and camped out in front. Sometimes we'll see pictures of these camps uh, of people in little tin shacks and cardboard things, little wooden structures. And at that time, they were called Hoovervilles, mm-hmm. named after President Hoover. And um, Hoover was the one who was head of denying these uh, vets and soldiers any money they were 
promised. Of course, it wasn't the specific year they were promised it. So literally, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, uh, they were not due until that later date, but they wouldn't even give them a slight proportion of it, so they can get their uh, keep alive, keep their house going, keep their food, get their get medical treatment, anything like that. There, there, there wasn't a safety net back then like we have now with various forms no. of welfare or Social Security or other, you know, VA benefits. They didn't right. have anything uh, without this. That's true. That's true, yes. So uh, Smedley Butler was the highest uh, on the highest end of uh, the the medical I mean, the military hierarchy to support the soldiers at that point. And, uh, and, but there were two other soldiers, George Patton and Douglas MacArthur, who didn't support the soldiers. And when, uh, President Hoover called on, uh, Patton and MacArthur, to clear out the soldiers from the Hoovervilles in Washington, D.C., they were happy to do so. And what they did was, what I think is a real black eye in American history, is that soldiers killed other American soldiers just to get them out of Washington, D.C., because Hoover didn't want them there. Okay. So MacArthur directed... Soldiers were murdered by soldiers not to get their bonus payment. So our war heroes, MacArthur, directed war hero George Patton, yeah. who fixed bayonets and wow. pushed them out at the end of a bayonet. And in fact, uh, uh, we've read some stuff here from the Patton Library that talked about uh, doing similar domestic disturbances like this and talked about how you had to kill some Americans and let their bodies sit outside to send a message, and you have to round up people in the media to make sure they're not watching what you're doing. These are directly out of his mm-hmm. own memoirs and his own papers for the for the War College. If you that, must kill, do a good job, as right. I recall was one of the quotes. Right. Yeah. So, so this is a guy who was in trouble later with the public for slapping a soldier, but sometime before then, he's taken bayonets to our own soldiers. And do you know, are there many schools, if any, that teach this fact of history in their textbooks or in their schools? Well, none that I know of. None that I know of. Uh, it's a shameful thing. I, I worked at one point uh, with in Los Angeles on movies. I was a uh, what they call a dialogue coach when I was like 18 years old on this movie about Douglas MacArthur that Gregory Peck acted in. Hmm. And, and which is funny because I wrote, uh, they needed a, um, little montage sequence for the beginning of the film written. So I wrote one about Douglas MacArthur and I put in the bonus march, uh, saga. And of course they didn't, uh, use that because the, the man who was a, a producer of that movie, his name was Frank McCarthy, uh, who also produced the movie Patton, uh, you know, they were getting a lot of money from the U.S. government military to make that movie. Right. So they're getting, 
millions of dollars of freebies from the U.S. government, the military, to make it thing a movie that seemed uh, seemed far more beneficial to their point of view. Hmm. Now, so if I rem- if I'm you- I'm sorry, if I remember right, when when they chased them out of town, they they got them across the river. And the instruction by Hoover was to, was just to get him out of town and leave it, but MacArthur wanted to chase him farther. He said, "We've got to completely destroy them, or they'll come back." Do, do you do you <laughs> recollect that? that 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 actually was what I read as part of the record, was that M- I, MacArthur got into it so much he wanted to totally destroy them even after they were no longer an issue in town. Well, certainly he was aiming for a very high level assignment there. Much higher he was at that time, um, and you, you know how people with thirst for power—they don't care what takes them there. Sometimes, and uh, the, the fact that they that he participated in this attack, murderous attack on veterans, uh, shows where he stands. Basically, right now, uh, what's interesting is how this all played out later with. With General Butler, and and what occurred as a result of it, because he had been there before, uh, and he had, before this happened, he had been there to encourage the veterans to hang in mm-hmm. there, that they would get help, yes. and so he had the hearts and minds of the World War One veterans, correct? That is absolutely the case. Yeah, he defended them when other high-level leaders uh, were talking down on them and ready to. Uh, jail them, or if worse. Um, so, what occurred was interesting with Smedley Butler is that what he proved to certain people in the corporate world was that he had the following of hundreds of thousands, if not more, foot soldiers that believed him greatly. And that, and after Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, came to office. There was a there was a situation with the gold standard being destroyed uh, or turned around by um, by Roosevelt. I don't know. You know, you couldn't argue that that was wrong. What he did was right. make gold illegal. Uh, however, this was an executive decision and all that and. We still were operating supposedly under democracy where we vote for the leader. Uh, but at that point, there are people within Dow Chemical and J.P. Morgan and Company, the bankers, who really had great uh, venom for Roosevelt at that time. Yeah, I, I, excuse uh, me. I thought du- DuPont was involved in this. DuPont as well. Yeah, DuPont and DuPont EF. DuPont as well as Dow and J.P. Morgan. Yeah, E.F. E. Hutton, uh, the uh, governor um, of New York, whom ironically they they have like they just had recently before the election. Uh, what's his name? Alf. Uh, forget his last name. Uh, Franken, uh, the the famous uh, governor of New York that uh, they they have a special uh, dinner in his honor. And if you remember, they had uh, Senator McCain and Senator Obama before the election. Oh, yeah. That was a big affair. And they honor him and his great humanitarian uh, benefits. Right. But they failed to mention his participation 
in this uh, over, overthrow plot. I don't know if you noticed that, uh, Adam, but they, they didn't get around to his uh, uh, treason against the United States was not brought up at this dinner in his honor. That oh, they I have forgot every year. about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there's a motley crew um, of some powerful banking and corporate interest that uh, feel it, threatened it, and are yeah. going to take action. It, about that gold standard thing and the take action against Roosevelt, what they really wanted was, again, Mussolini comes to play. They wanted a Mussolini-type leader, which was had the hearts and minds of the uh, soldiers, and so was able to take over in a coup d'etat-type situation. And um, actually what happened was Bradley Butler was spoken to about this concept of uh, getting involved with this coup d'etat, uh, and he basically he wanted to know who was behind this situation. They had low-level people who were kind of uh, sicking him into this whole situation. And so he started collecting evidence of all this stuff. He started speaking to these people. He started to get led up the ladder a bit. And, and to, to the point where it got, uh, he, he knew this was going to probably happen and he wanted to stop this situation. He wanted to keep democracy in the United States rather than a fascist military coup d'etat. If, if I could just interject here, when they first came yeah. to him, they went through the guise of the American Legion. And they wanted him to speak on behalf of veterans, which they knew was in his heart. But they sort of would write the speeches for him. And he was wise enough that he immediately smelled something rotten going on. And he recognized that there was some money. Somebody had a money stake, and he wanted to know why this was their agenda. And, and I can remember reading the stories where these banker guys would show up and just pour a lot of money on the bed and say, Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, we got all the we got all we need for this. This was in the early days of it, but they were very coy about who they're answering to. And he knew he had been around this enough to know that something rotten was being set up, and they were using this whole veterans issue as a ploy to get them involved. Any other guy, particularly people in our current education system, probably wouldn't be able to grasp the complexity <laughs> of what was going on. But thank goodness he was of a time where he had the wisdom to be able to understand it. So they worked on him for a long time, did they not? And and I think he actually got a newspaper reporter when he saw things were legitimate. When they started showing they had access to weapons, stockpiles of ammunition through the DuPonts and all these other kind of things and really had the wherewithal, uh, he got somebody else in to, uh, to, to be able to feed this information to in case something happened to him, correct? And as another witness? Yes, that's true. Yes. Um, I don't mean and, to get ahead uh, of you. I just want to make sure we. Yeah. No, got no, that no, no. Please, please, please step in. It's I. Um, I did this book about uh, a decade ago. Wow. And it was amazing to do this and to realize that the the plot to take over the White House and the coup d'état attempt and the Smedley Butler and I got involved with his family also for this particular book project but the fact is some of the uh, the facts they don't remain in my mind entirely so sure. I'd love for you to come in on that but um, but the, the, generally speaking um, yes he had other people who uh, so he wasn't alone with this 
seeing what was going on, there was a newspaper reporter involved with that, too. Yes. And um, as a result, uh, he started to, uh, uh, to, to get this plot exposed. He contacted congressmen and tried to speak to uh, Congress and do an, to do a congressional inquiry about this situation. At that time, because that was such a sensational concept that there was some coup d'etat attempt against Franklin Roosevelt, the New York Times came in, Time Magazine came in with articles that basically impugned uh, Smedley Butler and said he was like a crazy man. And how can that crazy uh, material be believed and they went to people at uh, uh, the, the bankers and the corporate leaders and t- asked them about it. You know. But so now, so now they're making him a conspiracy theorist. In other words, like what they would call yeah. people to, <laughs> people today that might just ask questions about like what happened in nine one one, for example, or why mm-hmm. went in Iraq, or why the Patriot Act exists, or these kind right. of things. He was labeled, even though he was the highest decorated soldier. And we entrusted the fate of our nation uh, in defending us to him. Uh, suddenly, and I'm sure people like uh, William Randolph Hearst and his yellow journalism and things are put into full mm-hmm. force to try to mm-hmm. besmirch his reputation, uh, which is exactly, again, the same things that go on today with people that but, ask questions. But it wasn't even William Randolph Hearst. It was Time Magazine. It was New York Times. It was these papers that, with great credibility. And they were not yellow sheets, particularly. Right. right. And um, and that's what astounded me in uh, learning about this whole uh, conspiracy. Yeah, but he was a, like a, one of the original conspiracy theorists, as they call, and denigrate people who reveal facts. You know, this. You know, they're not. Um, I have, a, I have a, a writer who I've done books with, and he says he really objects to the label conspiracy theorist because he's it's not a conspiracy way he's doing. It's like he's a journalist, basically. These are facts, and look at the facts. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tamarama Lama Bionica. Well, you're getting tired, aren't you? Running out of middle uh, yeah, names. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I got plenty of sleep last night for a change. But I'm... How about El Duce? <laughs> that would mean I'm a British agent. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yes. Um, speaking of Mussolini, mm-hmm. isn't it interesting how we see on our shows, the more the mainstream media comes up, they never come out in a flattering light. No. Like, oh, they saved the day. They exposed corruption. No. And through their incredible investigative work, and wisdom, I actually figured out what was really going on. Yeah, no, it's pretty much the exact opposite. Wow, through their incredible insight, I've pretty much got a line that was totally untrue. Mm-hmm. And was deceived and yeah. totally led down the wrong path mm-hmm. because of their involvement. Yes. So what good do they do? What's the purpose other than selling toothpaste well, they for their the, sponsors? They keep the suit and the teeth whitening business in, in you know afloat. Okay. Nice suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sp- Whoever their sponsors are, in other yeah, words, and, a lot and the film. people set in front of the pictures. Yeah, been a lot of film mm-hmm. on things. Yeah. Uh, a way to kill a half hour of time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like watching uh, mindless cartoons or something, except there's a more negative effect. It affects the way you uh, vote. 
Mm-hmm. It affects the way you interact with your you know government. You what it's like? It's almost, like really bad part. it's almost like the Orwellian um, uh, two minutes of hate each morning they would have, you know? I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. But instead of like each morning, here it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, on the TV. I'm angry and entrenched in my position now, even though I know very little about the subject matter. Is it sort of like the three hours of hate they have on every day before our show? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, on next subject. All right. Uh, The the whole idea that they were so supportive of fascism and couldn't see where it was going. Mm-hmm. You know, and the person that they fight is is one of our own people mm-hmm. who's exposing it for what it is. It's almost like they resented him speaking the truth. Yeah, very much. And they so. were really defending the state because he was he was telling a story that basically showed that uh, Mussolini and the fascist idea was that the state was supreme over the individual. Mm-hmm. He happened to mention it, and it broke a taboo. Uh, very much so. Uh, and even back then, I you know. If those same things or similar things that occurred today, you know, who knows what would have happened? Um, there was that. Um, uh, who was that? Who was that? Uh, uh, she ran a. She was a call girl or ran a call girl mistress service that. Yeah. Right. Wound up as suiciding herself, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Right. Even After she told everybody she was not going to commit suicide. Explicitly, a she few said, days before. I will not commit suicide if I wind mm-hmm. up dead. Said it on Alex Jones' show. Indeed. Yeah. And then, you know, people so quickly forget that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things in the media recently that shows how wise they are is this uh, thing when uh, they had the interaction right before the election or during the, the campaign with the with the boats, the Iranian boats. And mm-hmm. that voice came on the speaker saying, I am coming to get you. I'm coming to blow you up. And they took it at face value and said, look, they're they're coming to blow up our ships. Mm-hmm. And so did the Republican candidates, except for Ron Paul, mm-hmm. at the uh, convention said, oh, yeah, we better go attack them before they attack us. Yeah. Ron Paul says, well, we might want to verify that before we start dropping bombs. Mm-hmm. And then you find out it's some guy that's known in the area as the Filipino monkey who mm-hmm. actually was on the radio just taunting people. I had a friend of mine who was a radio hooligan like that. Really? Yeah, he had a 200 watt Well, do we hand. qualify for that, too, or something? <laughs> He had this hand radio that was like a 200 water. It would dial into the CB bands, yeah, and then uh, get up at the top of the um, uh, top of the mountain there, over going over the overpass on five, uh-huh. and just heckle like 75 miles worth of truckers on I-5. Wow. Yeah. You know, we need to spend more time talking about General Butler and the significance, oh, yeah. particularly the yeah. bonus army. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can pop that in tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, who we need need to bring in is Merv, yeah. who could tell us uh, tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. He's like our own Smedley Butler. So, sort of in a way. Yeah. Except he didn't have a saber. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. But you know what? He is consistent. That's one thing. That it's nice to find people are consistent, and like, Merv has always been yeah, consistent. He's a man of his word. And a man of the people. Unwavering. Yeah. 
and uh, has his own fans out there, too. Oh. It's time for us to end. Any right. last words? I think that's about all I got for right now. Come back for more Adam Parfrey and more General Butler, and unfortunately more of us, too. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, big fan of Smedley Butler, Bionic. And Adam Parfrey. Yeah, Adam Parfrey. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, we have Adam Parfrey, who's the publisher of Feral House Publishing, mm-hmm. talking about how General Butler saved our republic and exposed the lies of war. Yeah. Uh, it's a book he publishes. If you go to feralhouse.com, you'll see his books. Uh, as we said on the earlier shows, if you just tuned in today, mm-hmm. um, there will be some material there you probably will not care for. But he's a very libertarian kind of character and mm-hmm. caters to a lot of people. His goal is to publish things that nobody else will publish. You know what I appreciate about about uh, Adam? I, I sort of sense the fact that he was really interested in, uh, as far as this goes, you know, just the facts. It's like just yeah. the facts, man. Here yeah. it is. He didn't exaggerate as much as I do. He no. worked up. I mean, he, he actually... You were kind of fired up. I am. I think this whole thing of General Butler really exposes a whole bigger issue. You know, and to be honest, I would agree. Really I think does. he is a metaphor for what spark of good real Americanism is, mm-hmm. and it's a tiny spark. Mm-hmm. I wish it were a lot bigger. I, yeah. I'd like for us to fan the flame that we would make more sparks out there well, you know, by hearing his story. That's an interesting, We and we could do a whole show talking about this, that's an interesting thought because I have a sense that there are many Americans out there that are so uh, – that spark exists in all of them, and there are many of them out there who have done what they've needed to do and not seek fame. And the only reason we don't know more about them is because they have not sought uh, you know, the fame. There was that whole thing about um, uh, those generals trying to prevent uh, a preemptive strike in Iran two years ago. Right, and you remember the ones who actually tried to stop them from loading the nukes mm-hmm. on the airplanes? Yes. The heads rolled over that. Mm-hmm. We and never got the whole story of what yeah. happened there. Yeah, well, it's all of those, all of the people who are named as, it's interesting to note, uh, that all of the people who were named as protagonists in that saga, uh, were, ended up getting, mm-hmm. you know. That's right. To a man. It was That's like right. everybody who was against it ended up getting evicted mm-hmm. from the military. And ladies and gentlemen, I, if you're still out there in the work world developing your career, I'd like for you to develop a mindset and maybe share this with your spouses. That never look at a career being long term till the time you die, mm-hmm. because if you're going to be a person of principle, and particularly if you're a person of responsibility, the odds are high you're going to have to make a decision whether mm-hmm. to sacrifice your integrity mm-hmm. or lose your job. Yeah, well, in many cases. That's interesting you mentioned that because I had a conversation recently with somebody where they uh, where their their spin was, you need to just sacrifice your integrity to do, you know, to make. Make mm-hmm. money, have a good career. Oh, okay. It's like, well, I can't do that. And they said, well, are you one of them people who like, like a goody two shoes? Yeah, sounds like Christian, a Bible like, Christian. Like believe the Bible, you believe in the mm-hmm. Word of God, you. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. Well, you know, it's like our evangelical leadership the last election who wrote in writing, like uh, Richard Land mm-hmm. wrote, that you have to go for the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. That you don't want to waste your vote voting on somebody who has Christian morals and ideals, like that, a Chuck Baldwin. Yeah. He said that in writing, that you should vote for the lesser of the evils. That's very biblical, you know, like, 
Let's let's choose. If there's two no. evils out there, what we need to do is choose something that's still mm-hmm. evil but not mm-hmm. as evil. Pontius Pilate uh, agreed with that because he thought it'd be better for one man to die than you know a whole nation to get so uproar. So yeah. the Pharisees they decided that you know mm-hmm. when they met behind closed doors it was better for a man to die. So I mean that's a little evil, yeah. but it was the lesser evil mm-hmm. than if uproar happened. Yeah, and they would lose their place. I believe as the mm-hmm. term was used. So I wonder if I wonder if. Uh, you know, it was mentioned, I, I believe, yesterday on the show that Smedley Butler actually had a radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we could get a hold of any clips of that. And I wonder if they recorded I mean, that was back in the 30s, so I don't yeah. know if they recorded them or not, because he died in 1940. Yeah, I'll bet they did, um, but they may not have been. I would love it. Yeah. I'd love to play it on here. That's what I was thinking. It would just be awesome to a, play. The blast yeah. from the past, Smedley mm-hmm. Butler. Just bring back the spirit of Smedley Butler speaking, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think he was a Dr. Future and Tom Bionic ahead of his time. Indeed. I believe. Uh, he was a lot tougher than both of us if he was doing all those <laughs> military campaigns. You think he could take both of us? I think he could time? take both of us, like, probably, with his from, probably on his deathbed. Revolver. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, someone who probably could take us to is Adam Parfrey, who would like to come up here and talk to the listeners. <laughs> so, no further ado, here's Adam Parfrey uh, talking about how General Butler saved a republic and exposed the lies of war. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back for a quick wrap up here on Future Quake. So, this is what. Uh, especially Butler did, General Butler. He, 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 he un- revealed everything that he's ran- run across. The newspaper reporter also revealed that stuff, and they were called in congressional, actual congressional investigation. They had to. There's no way around it. There was an actual congressional investigation into this stuff, and it took a, they took their sweet time in doing it. But finally, there was a congressional report. However, the congressional report had no proper names in it. They covered up all the people who were involved in it. Wow. And so, and so it took until the 1950s for some of this material to actually come out of the hopper uh, after Spencer Butler had died, after the, you know, the Second World War it had long ended. Uh, it, it's amazing uh, how this was covered up in, in such a significant way. Now, now, Adam, if I um, recollect this, part of the plan that that he uncovered, provided evidence, provided it to this newspaper reporter, included the mm-hmm. fact that they had planned to take General Butler and get him on the cabinet, and basically get him in a position where he could threaten FDR to become a puppet. Mm-hmm. And that because of the, the tremendous affection that the World War I vets had, the allegiance really only to Butler, and they, they rightly would have been disillusioned by our own government, they felt like he could actually use them as a form of brown shirts to basically enforce this coup, and that he could lead these uh, World War I vets to enforce this uh, maybe reestablishment of the government, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm sure that's how they would spin it. But when it got to the point where they were ready to do it, and he'd gotten enough data that, that DuPont and Morgan, they had all the money, they had the weapons, they had everything ready to start. When it was now or never, they went to Congress. And when they had all these hearings and trials, he was vindicated in the sense that they said that it actually had merit. What he said was real. But my understanding is that they only had the guys at the bottom level testify, 
and actually mm-hmm. sent them to jail. They actually did jail time because of it. But as you said, mm-hmm. they never mentioned any of the higher-up figures, and they protected them from coming out on the public record. That's You've got it right. That's what happened. Hmm. And um, it, it, it was like a... It was interesting that he was court-martialed for being saying something that was regarded as anti-Mussolini. I don't know whether it was true or not, whether his motor, Mussolini's motorcated ran over a child. I suspect that considering uh, Mussolini's behavior <laughs> before and after that, that may well have happened as it, right. as it did. But um, in, in regards to... But that's exactly what they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be a Mussolini-type figure. And they uh, tried to court-martial for him for uh, saying something negative or revealing a fact about Mussolini, who is later our, you know, the national enemy in World War II. Right. So in other words, in both cases, early in his career and now here coming back later, when he's trying to mind his own business, uh, in both cases, he was shown to be un-American because he was standing against fascism. That's right. That's right. I wonder if any that's, Americans that's, today have been accused of that in the last 10 years of being un-American for standing against fascist activities of our country. Do you think there could be any connection to recent experience? Well, um, I'm uncertain of that. There. There, there are lots of twists and turns in American history about this stuff, but the uh, it, it's good to realize the situation, particularly now when um, uh, there there are fascist type elements going on, but it's not, you know, people American uh, citizens still have more freedom than the supposed fascist state had back then. So it's difficult to draw lines when that occurs. I I would say, you know, people declared that the George W. Bush administration was basically a fascist administration. But I don't think it went as far because it didn't need to go as far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened to General Butler after this incident? What about the rest of his life after the smoke cleared on this? Well, what happened is that, you know, when he became persona non grata in front of the media, he realized that the media made him look bad and the government didn't didn't like him and make him look good. So he went on tours, speaking tours across the United States and spoke about things he would start to, to start to understand about American military culture and the the Congress and what they were after. It was all it was for money, it was not for the defense of American soil or American bodies. It was for uh a lot of things that he wasn't that that's not what he signed for. Being a military leader, so he did these speeches across the United States about that, and um, the speeches got later turned into that book that was first published in 1935, and I later uh, published again with additional material 
called War is a Racket. And if you read this thing, you think, God, is this guy a Ralph Nader or something? <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't believe it because he's um, – or, or Noam Chomsky or someone like that. No, he's a, he was a huge brigadier general, but he, he got in the mix, mix of uh, the bad guys and figured out that American, America was being run by corporate fascists. They, that didn't care if Americans died for no good reason, except for corporate profit. Right. And, and his war... And, it, uh, it, the, the words that he... They're unforgettable. When you read the quotations of the words that he says, uh, you'll never forget, and they ring a truth, whether you're right, left, whatever, in your, in your persuasion. Uh, you mm-hmm. can hear a man who's as honest as the day is long. He, he's mm-hmm. blunt. He doesn't use uh, weasel words. He just calls them the way they see them. Uh, one, one thing that I heard, on, and I was first introduced uh, to him a couple of years ago, actually on a History Channel documentary about this mm-hmm. event, and they said mm-hmm. something very mysterious at the end. At the conclusion of that documentary, they said that some reporters went to ask FDR a question. It was a black tie affair. You know, really, everybody's dressed to the nines and tuxes and doing their thing. And one of them pulled him aside after this event and said, uh, FDR, th- these powerful men in America were uh, trying to dis- depose you and do these things to you. However, we don't see any actions taken about the government against them. Why is that? And according to this quote, they, uh, he told them, he said, uh, you know, he says, uh, they and I all come from the same families in the same circles. And he says, we have other ways of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And that almost makes you just as disconcerted to begin with. When you hear people like like Wilson and other of our presidents say that there are groups that operate. I mean, they're actual quotes. There are groups in the shadows that operate our country and that they were fearful of them. And when you start adding all of the information together, you realize what we see up above the ground level is just a tiny bit of what really is making the decisions. And it, it could be quite fearful to figure out what's going on in our country. But, you know, from what I read of General Butler after this period of time, um, mm-hmm. you know, he received no recognition, just ridicule. Um, mm-hmm. He had an opportunity of tremendous wealth, untold wealth. He turned aside for loyalty. And he tried, just just like we do here on Future Quake, he started a radio show trying to warn Americans about what was going on with their country and the great peril that, that they were in. Smedley Butler had a radio show? Smedley Butler had a radio show for wow. a long period of time, I believe in Philadelphia, trying to warn people about what was going on. Some, a few listened, mostly fell on deaf ears, and he tried so hard to keep uh, Americans out of war and to try to help them see that when you see the decisions in the news, uh, look at who is making the decisions for the money aspect of it. And and that's what we'll talk about, some of the things he recommended in these uh, articles. But he died, I believe, right about the time on the on the eve of World War II, uh, around 1940, I think about the time that France fell, was the time that he died. But he, he tried so carefully to warn Americans about these forces that will use their young men and women for their own agenda and purposes. And coming, like you said, from a military figure, a war hero that had sacrificed his own life in military service, it, it, was, a, it was a testimony that rang true with people. Now, uh, why did you decide to 
republish War is a Racket. It was it was uh, first written, as I understand, in 1935. And your current publication has it and a, a number of other essays that came from him. What was this with all the different strange topics you're interested in? Did you grab onto this as something important to you? Well, generally because it rang true to me, like no other book. I think he was, uh, you can only respect uh, Smedley Butler as an amazing uh, American leader uh, who had everybody's best interests in heart, that he didn't, he gave up money, he gave up leadership for the sake of doing the right thing. That doing the right thing is something that is, not really understood that well these days. Right. Everything is into greed and doing themselves. It's like I wanted to feel like we could trust somebody in a higher position. I haven't trusted anybody in a higher position in American culture for a long time. Um, So I wanted to show that example of something so I could have a positive reflection on something in American government and American culture. Do, do you think, and this is just something that occurred to me, do you think in just observing society that some people have sort of attributed some of that respect to a guy like Ron Paul with the Ron mm-hmm. Paul revolution and particularly the young people? Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they have an air about him that he is leveling with them and being straightforward yeah. in a man of conviction? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I personally I don't agree with everything Ron Paul says, but I do believe he says very risky things and uh, I do respect the man. Mhm. You know, you, even if you disagree politically with someone, um you can respect someone who who truly has a real conviction and will not change their conviction when placed under pressure. Uh okay. it, it is ironic that you find a guy like Ron Paul often will be aligned with somebody like Dennis Kucinich, who's on the far mm-hmm. left end of the spectrum. But they're two men for their own purposes, are firmly attached to their credentials, and usually take heat from their own parties mm-hmm. for standing for individual rights, uh, not wanting to do things uh, uh, you know, deceitfully behind closed doors. I know both mm-hmm. of those gentlemen, you know, again, opposite ends of the political spectrum, refused to participate in congressional meetings that were locked to the public and to Mm -hmm. media, Um, but it's extremely rare to find any kind of behavior like that, and it's created a cynicism and just a resignation, you know, in the American public. Uh, You know, I I want to make sure we focus on the, 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 there's three basic tenets, as I understand, from my reading of War is a Racket, that he believes a nation should do or invoke before they agree to war. Do you happen to recollect what those are? If not, I could share a little bit what my recollection is with them. But there were three. Why don't you go yeah, ahead? Well, there's three. There's three steps that that I recollect that, and I'd like your comment on them. That he said they're very simple. He's a very plain-spoken man. Uh, that uh, any nation should decide to do before they move and send their sons and daughters overseas to war. The first one is. He believes that only those who are of draft age or those who will actually see the battlefield should have a vote on going to war. Those who put their necks on the block are the only ones who really should be be making that decision because there are a lot of people who will never see a battlefield that are more than happy to send people overseas. The second thing is that he believes that everyone involved in the whole 
defense establishment, all the military brass, all of the high-level defense figures, everyone should get paid the same as the lowest guy, the buck private in the military. <laughs> they all should get the same pay. So that what that does is that eliminates any kind of uh, temptation, some profit temptation to want to provoke war or try to encourage it. And then the third thing was that he believes there's really no good reason for any country to develop weapon systems that are designed to operate far beyond the perimeter of their own country and their own borders. Uh, he was very specific about it. He says we don't need uh, ships that, that need to travel more than, say, 100 miles away from our border or airplanes that fly that far. There's, there's, if we do anything like that, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's almost an aggressive stance toward other nations when we decide, design offensive weapons that are mean to go attack in other places. And, and this is very hard for us to understand, given that we have thousands of military bases all over the world. And I know there was a Cold War explanation given for why they're there. But we have them everywhere, and we wonder why people are intimidated or concerned by us when we have our bases all in their back door rather than defending our own place. And people ask me about the war on terror and how legitimate do you think it is. And I have to say, just using simple logic as an engineer in my background, that it's very hard to take seriously all of these warnings about terrorists and checking every bag and, and looking in every car and building when we have borders that are completely unguarded that they can come in at any time that they want. And I'm not making a statement about immigration. That's not the point. The point I'm making is, is it belies their argument that there is this imminent threat that's coming through when it's wider. Either that or they're totally incompetent, one of the two. So, I vote two. <laughs> well, I think, I think oh, both that, are. That's another discussion. <laughs> Boy, I think, I think either way. It's I think really both are true. Yeah. I think both are true. But those were the three very simple things that he said. And you really, you really can't argue with, with the logic of those, can you? Uh, no. Another thing was is that he thought that people who uh, try to send us to war have to go to war themselves, you know. It's that you can't, you know, it's uh, you just you just can't have old people who are willing to make, who are making a lot of money in unseen ways, unseemly ways, that they're not willing to go out in the battleground and use the rifle on the ground themselves send people out to war. They have to. Their family has to go to war. They have to go to war. Hmm. They, because he felt that the, the people who were starting wars and operating these wars had no concept of what a war actually was. Right. Yeah, we, we have a lot of... Uh... You know, interesting videos and inspirational things with flag wavings and things and a lot of saluting. Uh, we don't see uh, the, the terrible situation that we put 18 and 19 year olds in. And you know, they say here, oh, they're very brave. They're you know, they're they're very trained and capable, and they are all of that. But the question is, do they need to be there to begin with? And you know, we went through this culture shock in Vietnam where that's where the media started to turn and started to show images of the terrible environment, and, and it, it created uh, problems with morale within the military. I don't think they've ever forgiven the media for doing that. They probably took some cheap shots at the same time with some very loyal military members when they did that as well, too. But uh, it, 
those were the first glimpses with cameras where you could see the horrible things that were that were undertaken by people. It's not just the people who are physically wounded, but what they used to call shell-shocked, you know, the people who've had uh, combat fatigue or other kind of events and things like this. And, and then when we find out just recently that the National Security Agency declassifies documents saying that the Gulf of Tonkin, which precipitated the Vietnam War, was based on a total lie, and they admit that it was a complete fabrication, used by LBJ to get us into a war. You know, you take a guy like me who's been a conservative my whole life, a right-wing kind of person, has supported every war, supported the Iraq War, and I learned this information in the last two years, and it puts my worldview on its ear. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to uh, turn 180 degrees like that. I I... If that's the case, I think you're a really strong and good man to do that. Well, th- thank you for the compliment. I think certainly not Tom. physically strong, but uh... yeah, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks for that. I was only shot in the arm, but you'd probably break my arm if you gave it. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom. Not a fan of Patton Bionic. Mm. Well, you know, we've mentioned it a couple times on our show. People have faithfully listened to our archive of shows about this whole thing with General Patton and MacArthur, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem real to think that they actually put a bayonet to our own veterans. You know what's, you know what's very interesting in, the, um, in the, uh, the movie of Patton? Patton is portrayed as this Iron Man, a man of the people. But the more that I listen to it, uh, listen to and learn about Smedley Butler, it almost seems like they took Smedley Butler and put Patton's name on it and then right. made a movie about it. Right. You know? Right. As far as demeanor and caring for the troops and, you know, being a man of mm-hmm. The honor. only thing is Patton was an ego. He believed he was reincarnated of the great generals of the past. Mm-hmm. He always wanted to be first going into Sicily or different battlefields. Yeah. It was always about his picture taking. He thought he was a man of destiny. Mm-hmm. And from what I read of uh, General Butler, uh, he was an unassuming man. Now, he, he sort of took charge in a room. They said, I read about him, he would come to a table and everyone would ask him what he thought about these issues. Mm-hmm. He was so informed and intelligent, they said they would all just sit there at the end of their table listening to this wisdom he would dispense. Wow. And they said by the time he left, he would hardly get a bite of food in. And it wasn't because he was trying to dominate, it's just that everybody knew he knew information. Wow. Like he would have got stuff from Future Quake, from example. I was going to say, it's much, like, it's much like us when we sit down to eat with people. Oh yeah, they just sit on the end <laughs> of their chair, don't they? Conspiracy theorists <laughs> know it all. Nutcases. Yeah. Lunatics. And that's just our families. Yeah, yeah. It's like the tell people us we're that. close to mm-hmm. or not close to, I guess. That's right. But uh, uh, he was a, was a totally different figure. But, you know, why don't our schools teach this? Why don't they expose this information and what happened? Um, you know, they call it revisionism, particularly people yeah, well, that's on exactly. the right conservatives say, well, that's just revisionist hate America first. How about telling the truth? Yeah, well, it doesn't it doesn't fit neatly into the mindset that would develop a conservative Bible, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, as per one of our news stories, yes, the conservative yeah. Bible. If you haven't looked that up, folks, yeah. you might want to check out yeah. this new project where they're they're going and editing the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's called the Conservative Bible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Uh, something that needs to fit in is Merv mm-hmm. right now to tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We're way over. All right, man, let's get out. Tomorrow's our last segment with Adam Parfrey. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I'm just tired of hearing about these sort of things like United Fruit and all that stuff. Bionic. Hmm. You're not like so tired like you're just going to walk away, are you? No, that's our listeners doing that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and a prior co-host on yeah, Future Quake. Yeah, I was going to go the co-host route there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, you mean you're just weary of... I'm, I'm just weary of evil doing, you know? Well, what do you bet we do a show like your your best life now or things? Would you rather do that for a little while? Well, the the crazy thing that I am learning about my own self and life in general, and I think maybe even following following the Lord, is that it's not going to lead you to always feel good about stuff. Amen. It's not, you know. Go ask Elijah. It's not how, how good he felt about yeah. stuff all the time. And and that doesn't mean that I mean that doesn't mean that you're going to be walking around with tears down your face all the time because you had to. I don't know, sell your car to the poor or something because God told you to. But so you're not walking on sunshine from the day you found the yeah, Lord. Yeah, the and, point is, yeah, yeah, the point is, is that you're. It doesn't have to do with. He's gonna be there with you and support you and you know provide for your needs if he needs stuff to get done or mm-hmm. you know he he's promised to do those things, but he's not there to make you to to give you to wound your inner child. You know. Right. Right. And that's a teaching that. It's like almost exclusively implicit these days in the way that our cultural psyche approaches everything, and especially our religion. Mm-hmm. And that's right. too bad. Right. I agree with you 100%. And that's why people get confused between joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. You can be in a very rough spot serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Persecuted, misunderstood, mistreated mm-hmm. even by people close to you. You can be very unhappy in terms of how you feel about circumstances. Mm-hmm. But you can still have joy. And that joy is based upon the promises of God, the promises mm-hmm. in his word, the future hope that we have, blessed mm-hmm. hope. But like the whole the chapter about the hall of faith mm-hmm. in Hebrews talks about all these great, great, great people that heaven highly regarded. Mm-hmm. But it said they were naked. They were mm-hmm. stuck in caves, living, hungry, mm-hmm. chased yeah. around. And it says the world wasn't worthy of them. Wow. So, that's a very interesting. Yeah, that's true. You know, you look at. You look at the life of all of the prophets and, you know, even our prime example, Jesus. It wasn't like... It's like, really taking the tough ride is it's, what it's all about. Yeah, it's 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 acting with honor and doing what's been asked of you by God. And uh, I mean, I have no, I, no idea what General, General Smedley Butler believed as far as a religious connotation. He was a Quaker. Really? Yeah. So did he, like, go into battle with a, you know, like a horseless carriage or... <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think. Actually, a big oat canister <laughs> ate a lot of oats. 
No, uh, have you eaten ye oatmeal? <laughs> he said basically. I'm paraphrasing here because he used a little salty language. He said that uh, you know he would do anything to keep us out of war, mm-hmm. but when war happened, he'd make sure all his sons were there. They all, all of the butlers went, but he would fight in every way to keep the but, the butlers from being in a war. Which is a lot like that movie, The Patriot, I believe, with mm-hmm. uh, Mel Gibson, where he fought that. so hard about the Revolutionary War, trying to stay out of the war, mm-hmm. until it could not leave him, until they started persecuting his children. Yeah. And, and then he had no choice at that point. Well, that's but, when people always wig out, is when you start persecuting their kids. Right. So, right. you know. And I, I highly recommend, if you do an archive search on William Grigg and his writing about where your loyalties lie mm-hmm. and how this whole thing we've been taught, more in America than probably Nazi Germany, about your loyalty first is to the state and your patriotism, mm-hmm. patriotism in America. It's very subtle here, but it's it's and very he, pervasive. He has some challenging teaching that the, the teaching throughout the ages is that your first loyalty is to your family mm-hmm. and to your immediate neighbors and then... You know, to the state. Yeah. Sort of like how it was, I yeah. guess, in the Confederate yeah. Army. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was as bad as Germany because there were things that went on at Germany that, I mean, at least we can still review Smedley Butler here. It's like. Well, for now we can. Yeah. Of course, did you see any textbooks talking about him here up to now? No, but in Germany, even that, even things like that were completely erased actively mm-hmm. out of books existing. Mm-hmm. But we have hate crime it. laws coming that oh, could get us through. Yeah. Get us where we are. Gosh. All right. Well, I guess we need to bring in our dear friend, Adam Parfrey, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to conclude our discussion on how General Butler saved our republic and exposed the lies of war. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be right back for a wrap-up here on Future Quake. As, <laughs> as we say to our listeners, it's been an odyssey for Tom and I both because uh, I worked for the military, not in the military, but for them for uh, you know, over mm-hmm. 20 years. I still support them. I still develop technologies to protect troops. That are using the battlefield. You come from a military defense background, growing yeah. up as well too, yes. right? Uh-huh. And uh, you know our our value system. We have a very conservative moral value system and things like this. But being confronted with real historical data, uh, like the experience with General Butler and others, has caused us to have to make some hard, uh, insightful uh, internal reviews of of how we see the world works. And in General Butler, one of the things he seems like he talks so much about. Uh, that we've alluded to is this issue of war profiteers. Did, did, didn't a lot of his writings focus on uh, how the stock prices of all these companies, not just in the U.S., but the other companies that we fought, it was almost like they're in agreement. Uh, and, in fact, he even cited cases where there were certain uh, treaties and other kind of things going on where they sent emissaries there to try to sabotage certain treaties from actually being signed. Not only that, he knew it so well, he discussed the actual amounts of millions made by companies for uh, for strikingly bad means or ways of going about it. It's like, it's, it's a matter of profiteering, pure and simple. There's, one would hope that America is more than simple greed and profiteering, but uh, when you get to the war ethic and the war uh, companies and the Alfred Noble (laughs) is another funny thing with the the inventor of dynamite is now awarded the Peace Prize. And the interesting uh, contemporary concept of awarding a a leader who is involved with two wars right Mm -hmm. now, Obama, Mm -hmm. with the Nobel Peace Prize. And he actually just pledged uh, to send 
at behind closed doors anyway, but it'll come out next week, I think, that he pledged to send more troops to Afghanistan. What, 40,000 or something yeah, like that? It was, it was a, yeah, it was a very large number. So now General Butler, in contrast to that, Adam, tried his whole life to fight for peace and tried with every ounce. In fact, he probably went to an early grave, from what I've read, because he totally poured himself. He said, I have no time for tennis or for the things that I really love to do, my pastimes, because he devoted himself completely to the peril that our nation was in, trying to look out for his fellow uh, military members, the veterans, and to try to keep all of our sons and daughters out of war and to keep these uh, corporate and government figures from getting their hands on our children. And as he poured himself into that, a lifetime of achievement of striving for peace, I, I doubt his name has ever come up once for nomination for a Nobel Peace Prize. No, <laughs> I don't think it was, but I'm not absolutely sure about that. But I, there's another issue here, the, the reason I got involved with this, and that is my father uh, fought in World War II as a private uh, army soldier. And, um, you know, I remember speaking to him about the war and all these other issues that he did was he was he was guided into thinking that he was doing the right thing, that he was saving uh, the American uh, American soil from evil men. And, I, I, you know, it's like people put their lives on the line for the sake of these concepts. And we hope these concepts aren't lies, that they're right, that the people are putting their lives to the test, that they're going to do it for the right thing and not lies and propaganda. It's like, it, it's, it's shocking to me how people can just simply believe that they're being told the truth when they're patent falsities again and again. It's such a big issue to understand, come across, and to integrate into one's life. That's why, uh, Dr. Future, I have great regard for your concept, your ability to do that. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think you would really enjoy the Future Quake show. Don't you agree, Tom? I enjoy it. I Be don't know. I don't because know about else. <laughs> this is a recurring theme. You know, we yeah. have people like uh, uh, G. Everett Griffin talking about uh, the, the creature from Jekyll Island and the real history of our banking system and the exploitation of so the Federal Reserve. Yeah. The yeah. Federal Reserve. Uh, people like this. We have people like Judge Andrew DiPolitano. Mm -hmm. He talks about mm -hmm. the real value of our civil rights and how easy we are, particularly on the right, to just give them away or to make them very trivial that people shed a lot of blood for. And it's a recurring thing. And, you know, we come from a uh, biblical background here. We're Bible-believing mm -hmm. Christians, and we are of the belief that the Bible is explicit. When you look in Revelation 18, this comes up almost every week, it says that the great kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth, and the Greek word are those who are globetrotting uh, merchants, it says that they conspire together and they use pharmakia or sorcery, which is the use of drugs and other means, it says, by which to deceive the nations of the earth. And I would say that passage basically describes the majority of the topics we cover on Future Quake. There are so many dimensions on the use of the mass media, yeah. like our friend uh, uh, Walter Cronkite, who just passed away as part of yeah, Operation, Operation Mockingbird. Mockingbird. You know, a plant, a government plant to put certain stories into the media 
uh, to frame the public opinion a certain way. And then we find out just after his death, they accidentally erased his file yeah. in the news record. The FBI erased it. And it's just fascinating that here's this guy who's, you know, he's a plant, and most people know him as the most trusted name in, in mm-hmm. America. That's you know? right. Well, and uh-huh. even while he's doing that, you know, he's got his old, uh, you know, connections there with both Bohemian Grove and the World Federalist Society and all of these other groups and organizations that are actively working to bring down, you know, the United States as a sovereign sovereign entity. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's crazy. That's right. Even our religious systems, even within our own evangelical backyard, we find people who are doing things in secret that are intentionally doing it with high-level figures. They're taking money from people who they would never want anybody to know. And there's only a few investigative journalists like Constance Cummings and others who are able to uncover it. Uh, so every institution we have, deception is the order of the day. And that's what the Bible has told us all along. It says the nations of the earth, this is how they operate. And those of us in America and in the West, Christians, have had an idealized view of even our own countries and think somehow they're immune to this or exempt from this understanding of what happens when you give the coercive power of the state uh, to people, uh, the right to be able to, to impede on people's rights and lives. And in General Smedley Butler, it's just another but very poignant story in this whole legacy. We have a media, we have a, a separate institution in the media who's supposed to be the watchdog for truth, and you find that they're bought and paid for, even in the story with him as well. Uh, and they, they have a desire to go toward fascism, to go toward totalitarianism, and those who speak up on behalf of rights are immediately ridiculed or conspiracy theorists or whatever. Uh, I'm amazed that even people, as I mentioned, Judge Andrew Napolitano even gets a forum at all uh, on television, even if it's marginalized, because he actually speaks about the fundamental civil rights of people to have self-determination including people who have different values than what we have. And certainly there are many different than what you and I have mm-hmm. as Christians, but we realize but it is crucial. Them. It yeah. is crucial that they have their rights because them. our rights are dependent upon their rights as yeah. well, too. The whole point about the Constitution is that it's nobody's above it, and you can't, you, you know, you, um, nobody's supposed to be above it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I hate having to qualify that. but What's, uh, what's the legacy, Adam, of, of his life? So he didn't live his life in vain. What what can we do to make something worthwhile out of the legacy of this gentleman? Well, if you first you can read his words and uh, and judge uh, modern war makers with the, the with that in mind. Another thing is is that you can reflect and respect and and a more open mind on this rather than the closed and shut just because someone is a is a particular leader that they're being honest and truthful. Uh, you really have to investigate these aspects. You have to realize, you have to look into what's right. You can't just uh, be blinded by medals and wardrobe. You have to see the emperor's with its naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, boy, I hope and, not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but the, the cover-ups are the, the, it is it is phenomenal yeah. how mm-hmm. how it goes. But um, you know, so I've Medley Butler beyond. The, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I once I became aware of him uh, and the fact that he is not recognized 
we don't have a federal holiday after him, although he may have saved democracy for America from the later. I mean, this happened in 1933. This event, and he, for a few years, he may, yeah, but he may have saved what could have, you know, what could have been. And he's in obscurity. And I've often thought those of us who are to our uh, uh, respect him and admire him and his legacy should come up with some kind of uh, General Butler Prize or some kind of award that we could have a committee and announce hey, people in society idea. who actually had made uh, a decision against, even against some of their own closest followers, and stood on principle uh, to protect people's uh, liberties mm-hmm. and right to live freely. Because there's there, there's got to be some way. If the government won't recognize it, the media won't, then those of us who are free Americans ought to find some way by which to use a tool to bring his legacy of memory back to the public. Well, another aspect of reading Smedley Butler's life, and by the way, Smedley Butler was also a chief of police in the Philadelphia area, I believe. Wow. And he did, and uh, he, he was anti, uh, you know, there, there was then all the mobsters making liquor during Prohibition, and he was hired to be an anti-mob liquor person that he cleaned up a very dirty city at that time I mean I think prohibition was misguided personally but at that time he that's what he did hmm. um, so it's interesting he had an interesting life and uh, the saga uh, of his uh, was written by Lowell Thomas again he was Lowell Thomas wrote about uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and right. Will Thomas's book was the one that was the film was based on, mm-hmm. the Lawrence of Arabia movie, and that was the, exploited uh, for political purposes too, if I remember right. Oh and, yeah, and <laughs> Middle East politics and things like that. Well, Middle East politics, boy, that's quite a stew. Over well, there. We've we've got two minutes left. I'm sure we could solve that. <laughs> in the two minutes. Hey, we understand you're in you're in overtime here, and I just wondered if if we could just finish up in three minutes because I I don't want to wear up my yeah. welcome. Although there's a lot more I'd like to talk with you about, but I realize you yeah. have some other commitments there, and you were you were tolerant of our uh, delay that we have mm, here. I sure, appreciate that. By the way, uh, I just want you to let yeah. you know that you know even though a, a number of your topics you print would not be my cup of tea, uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that you're an independent publisher. And that you find a form to print things like War is a Racket. And I just want to tell all of our listeners to highly recommend you order this book. Please order book War is a Racket. And I would recommend that you get enough copies. If you have any students in high school, it's a little small book. It's not an expensive book. It's easy to read. But give it, give one to your pastor. Give it to anybody that you know that you respect, to your parents. But give it if you know any young people. Give it to them and help form and make an impression in their mind at a young age to understand what's really going on so they don't make the mistakes that some of us old fogies did walking around in a fog that we were left under and not being able to see clearly. And I think it will even help them appreciate the, the messages in the Bible as well. And, and, Adam, I just want to appreciate you so much. I know you didn't know us from Adam. And I appreciate <laughs> you coming on our show. And I, and I hope we've, uh, you know, we certainly respect... Uh, your, your desire to to be a free, independent voice, and I hope we've earned a little bit of your respect. Uh, we certainly don't get it from a lot of mainstream backgrounds, but we sure have a legion of followers. There's a lot of people out there that are people of faith 
that believe similar to what we just described here? Well, I'm very pleased to find that. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, and, and I just want to ask in closing, uh, amongst the many interesting books that you publish, you have one that you've done about a uh, – I believe you've done one about Jack Parsons, correct? Oh, yes, yes. And uh, that Jack – Jack of Black Magic and Modern Science and yeah. uh, the space program specifically. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little bit on the other end of the spectrum from uh, Smedley Butler. Yeah, that's something we need to oh, yeah. maybe have you back for. But I'll have yeah. to tell you, in our hierarchy of names that come up, probably the Rockefellers and the Nephilim are run neck to neck. It coming up periodically on our show. <laughs> yeah, but, but Jack, Jack Parsons is always in there too. He's in the top five yeah, of just worming right. his way in, because we turn over rocks and look at the dark side of the spiritual world that's going on. Uh, we talk about DMT. We talk about things that are being done to alter our realities and things like this. And Jack Parsons is probably the other great untold story of the 20th century, uh, Indeed. particularly his Indeed. influence. Uh, I, I'm technically a rocket scientist myself, and some of my inventions involve rocket technology. I've worked with the companies that he was involved in establishing. So it's it's very, very interesting to me. And I first heard about him uh, at a Christian conference on UFOs in Roswell, New Mexico, about the activities, but uh, we have only touched the surface of Jack Parsons, mm -hmm. and I wondered if you'd come back sometime when you've got a moment and discuss about Jack Parsons and your book with us. I'd be happy to. Yeah, and, great. And anything like that that you've got coming up, I tell you, if you if you go through the bowels of the five years of uh, Future Quake archives at our show, you will find all sorts of topics for additional books. You could publish as well, too. There are so many untold stories, and I know that's what you're looking for, is untold, uh, you know, reality, non-fictional uh, stories of fascinating groups and people that are somehow falling through the cracks, but their stories need to be told, whether they're, whether they're wonderful blessings or if they're notorious figures. But either way, the, the truth needs to be out on the record, and I appreciate your work in doing that. Uh Thank you again, sirs. I'd be happy to come back on and talk about Jack Parsons. Anything else you'd like to discuss? Well, and send us send us some tips on new books you've got coming out too. And uh, it's feralhouse.com, correct? Yeah, that's f e r a l house.com. And I just think of the feral kid. That's how I remember it from the Road Warrior yeah. movie. Um, he would be a, he'd be a neat uh, symbol for you, you know, a mascot, you know, with that little that metal. Uh, no, I, I like that. I, I like that idea, of domesticated. Because when I was starting this company, it was not really the what you were supposed to be doing. You're supposed to yeah. be making good money and have going through agents and doing the regular yeah. thing. And I thought yeah. that we. We really should be a little uncivilized, a little undomesticated here. Shake things up a little. Yeah. You know? Hey, we feel your pain, buddy. We uh, we're the island of unwanted <laughs> toys ourselves here, yeah. in uh, media, <laughs> particularly in Christian circles. So, but we appreciate you All so right. much. Please come back again. Thanks for your patience with us, and we'll look forward to All having right. you back again soon. Thank you again. Thanks Bye -bye. again. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Thomas Bionicus. <laughs> So that's the story of Smedley Butler, mm -hmm. a man who was uh, labeled by the mainstream media as a conspiracy theorist, basically, a flake, yeah. a kook, mm -hmm. because the media was in league with the people he was exposing. Mm -hmm. And he exposed these people, and thank goodness he had brought enough soldiers and was sold shoulders and was secure enough in who he was 
that he stood on firm ground on what he knew was right. Sort of reminds me of that article that uh, in Psychology Today that labeled uh, one of our, you know, Alex Jones. Uh, I think Alex uh, Jones fits this label very well. Yeah. Yeah, well, they labeled him, the Psychology Today article labeled him as a complete lunatic. And, That's right. Yeah, That's tried right. to make him out to be like somebody who was mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And, and he had some kind of no needy needs yeah. emotionally yeah. that he yeah. lived through this. Yeah. But, you know, he, he goes through this. Uh, Stan Monteith is another guy who turned away from a very wealthy profession. Mm-hmm. He saw what the government was doing about AIDS and how it had been engineered in government labs, mm-hmm. found out all this other information, devoted his life to exposing this mm-hmm. kind of uh, secrets, yes. just like General Butler did. And he's devoted his life to doing it yeah. with the same dedication that General Butler did mm-hmm. on radio all those years yeah. after that. He he was really the one that sort of set independent radio like that ahead of time. Yeah, and uh, again, I would love to, I would really love to see Smedley Butler's, uh, you know, if we could find any archives. That's, that would be great, and that yeah. goes for our listeners, too. If you find any kind of archival location, we'd sure appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that wherever truth is, wherever the truth is found, mm-hmm. that's where Christians ought to be. No joke. I mean, that's the you, whole... Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the whole point of Christianity. It's the truth, man. You start from the idea that uh, two beings can send and receive messages and then build and build on that philosophically with the idea that truth is absolute. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sticking your head in the sand or under the sofa cushion or whatever doesn't cut it, does it? Only if you're looking for quarters. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it's, it's the pursuit of truth. Yes. And you may make a few missteps. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we make them here. Pretty much we don't every always time know. my mouth is moving. Yeah, well, <laughs> even our guest, you yeah. know, our guest may make steps. We may mm-hmm. misunderstand them. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, it's a quest to find out what's really going on. Yeah. And and self-introspection, the Bible calls walk, walking circumspectly mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. And uh, I think General Butler is a, a testimony to that. Yeah. I just wish he would be recognized. I wish we could have something, at least for his family, if not for him. Well, let's and to educate, we just need to educate people, young yeah. people and others, well, about what he did. His book is it's ingenious. War is a Racket is a fantastic book. Really, I I I just can't recommend it enough for people. When you read it, the, the you know, like it talks about in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution about certain truths being self-evident, mm-hmm. it becomes self-evident when you hear him say it. It's plain spoken. Mm-hmm. He's able to show the kind of conspiracies that an Alex Jones or Stan Monteith, but he's saying it back in the 30s, and it was the same old racket. There's money, people pulling the strings, and he figured it out. He figured out that there was always strings attached. People always had an agenda. People rarely said what their real agenda was when they did it, mm-hmm. and he could smoke it out and figure it out. Wow. Um, and, he, and he stood alone. Yeah. Well, I'm in... Obviously, I'm a debt to him because I'm not uh, wearing a brown shirt and a red tie and an armband. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and that's that's one thing. And know, we need more Smedley Butlers today. I know. Or we w- that will still happen anyway. Yeah. Well, who knows? There are a few of them out there. There's a uh, that that guy named uh, like John Walker, Jeffrey Walker. Mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. his first name, but he used to be the GAO mm-hmm. of the government and right. and and stopped. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Listeners, are you going to be the next one? Are you going to stand up, young person? Are you going to do it, older person? Are you going to set the example for you and your kids? We challenge you to do it. And in the meantime, here's Merv to tell you how you can contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com 
suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We're way over. Well, I'm all I'm feeling all patriotic. Well, hopefully it's a good kind. Yeah, no, it's a good okay. kind. Come back tomorrow for tomorrow's tremors. Until then we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, using bunnies for fuel bionic. Uh, that's an interesting... Uh, I don't think you've, you've not used that one, have you, before? No. That's that's a new one? I try and keep them different each time, but that yeah. one was real different. You succeeded in, in differentness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I sure hope that you enjoyed uh, our interview this week, and hopefully it was another change of pace, something different that you don't hear on the rest of mainstream Christian radio. I hope they can tell a difference in us. Do you think they can? I don't know. I think we all sound alike. You think we sound like <laughs> Back to the Bible or... Yeah, the other, what's the other one? Adventures uh, and Odyssey. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, yeah, we just, I'm sure they can tell a difference. You know it's Friday, which means it's something special. It's not our interview time. It is what? Laundry Day. Okay. Tomorrow's Tremors, or today's review of the Futures News. Well, okay, yes, that too. We'll review the news, and I'm sure they want to know that you're ready to do laundry. Oh, very Actually, much. we sort of air out our dirty laundry, yeah. literally on Fridays. See, it was, another, it was another bit of foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, do you, would you like to foreshadow a story for us? Sure. Well, why don't I just go right to the one there that I was talking about. This is like that really, really serious one. Yeah, this is deeply serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is via uh, an English-language Swedish newspaper called... Um, the local. Mm-hmm. Um, the bodies of thousands of rabbits called every year from the parks on, in Stockholm's uh, Kungusholmen neighborhood are being no, used. No, that's Kungusholmen. <laughs> Still sore? Yeah, sore about last week. You corrected <laughs> me on that one. Neighborhood are being used to fuel a, heat, a heating plant in central Sweden. The decision to use Stockholm's rabbit cadavers as bioenergy to warm Swedes living in Varmland uh, doesn't sit well with... Stockholm-based animal rights activists. <laughs> you don't say. I mean, I agree. It's a harebrained idea. Yeah. Those who support the calling of rabbits surely think it's good to use the bodies for a good cause, but it feels like they're trying to turn the animals into an industry rather than look at the main problem. Every year, the city of Stockholm kills thousands of rabbits in an effort to protect trees and shrubbery in the city's extensive networks of parks and green spaces. And uh, But they have this problem. People release... These animals and uh, they release these animals into the city's mm. parks and they, you know, mm-hmm. proverbially breed like rabbits. Mm-hmm. Go a fur piece. Yep, there you go. Um, so it's goofy, but I just, you know. Mm. What would you say is the prophetic significance of that? Um, Three quarters of the earth being overrun by bunnies. Well, you know, it says <laughs> the wild animals will consume. Well, there you go. They're going to get fed up and just the bunnies are going to overrun Sweden. I suspect yeah. it. I suspect it. All, all these 
good you looking know, young Nordic women it's it's rafters of it, funny them. Sorry. It's stories like that. That's why WNO gives us this time here to I know. To broadcast. Well, can I have one that's it's that doesn't bunny related. Okay. You know you would think with all these dangerous days of the major government and globalists and global government that at least our local police forces would look after us, right? Yeah. The communities of people that look us in the eye, we see in the grocery store. Actually, I wouldn't think that at all people because they're, they're all Illuminati co-conspirators. Well, we'd like to say hi to all of you all listening out there, all of our loyal Futurian uh, law enforcement officials. I, I know you know better than that. We know some law enforcement. They're all people. Jesuit co-temporal agitators. <laughs> now you offended all the Jesuit <laughs> co-temporal uh, agitators. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, they're listening. Uh, actually, this story is police chiefs support monitoring citizens. Big police departments back anti-terror citizen watch by Eileen Sweet. Sullivan and the Associated Press. We need to have a way to turn the cameras on when we decide to bludgeon somebody for no reason. Says police chief. Blah 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 blah. Is that a little <laughs> embellishment? <laughs> a bit. The real story says the nation's big city police chiefs are backing an anti-terrorism community watch program to educate people about what behavior is truly suspicious and ought to be reported to police. Mm, you know, boy, we would sweet. classify we we are just one suspicious activity after another. When we go to the FEMA camp, know us. people are going to be like, "Well, look, there's we were trying. There was nine different Mike Bennett's and and uh, Tom Bionics we were trying to get, but." Um, we only got one of each because we were on every list. <laughs> well, that's true. We get redundancy. Yeah. Police Chief William Bratton of Los Angeles, whose department developed the iWatch program, calls it the 21st century version of Neighborhood Watch. Using brochures, public service announcements, and meeting with community groups, iWatch is designed to deliver concrete advice on how the public can follow the oft-repeated post-911 recommendation. If you see something, say something. Program materials list nine types of suspicious behavior that you should prompt people to call police in 12 kinds of places to look for it. Uh, among the indicators, if you smell chemicals or other fumes. If you don't like somebody. That's right, if you don't like somebody. If you see someone wearing clothes that are too big and too heavy for the season. If you see somebody. I'm not worried. I don't have to worry about that because I'm usually always outgrowing my clothes. <laughs> I can't barely button them. So I'm good on that one. If you see strangers asking about building security. If you see someone purchasing supplies or equipment. That could be used to make bombs. Now, I want to warn our listeners that if you apply these kind of things to people doing this, mm-hmm. uh, almost 100% of the time it'll be an FBI agent yeah. who was trying to create a terrorism event. For See a Hal Turner and the other gentleman from Elohim City. Right. They won't be actual terrorists, but they'll be FBI agents trying to create a terrorism. Yep. If you just look at the track record of, of since 911. Uh, the important places to watch include government buildings, mass gatherings, schools, and public transportation. If you see somebody driving a car, report it. They might mm-hmm. be terrorists. Yes, odds are. The program also was designed to ease reporting by providing a dedicated toll-free number and Internet web page so the public can alert authorities. Los Angeles has begun its toll-free number and, and planned to put its website up this weekend. You know the East Germans and the ones behind the Iron Curtain would sure like to have this system when they had their Stasi secret police that would report on each other. Mm-hmm. This would have been so much simpler for them to do. Well, they you know, the Internet really like simplifies things. Well, you know, we do have the thing where you can go go on the presidential website if someone badmouthed health care program. Mm-hmm. Well, we know who's at the top address. 25 of that of that negative list, but now we've got it down to like... You know, didn't realize the list was long. Sorry, go ahead. Well, it says the Major Cities Chiefs Association 
uh, headed by Bratton and comprised of the chiefs of 63 largest police departments in the U.S. and Canada, is expected to endorse iWatch at its conference in Denver uh, as a model for all communities. It's really a common sense kind of thing. But American Civil Liberties Union P- Policy Council Mike German, uh, a former uh, FBI agent who worked on terrorism cases, said that indicators are all relatively common behaviors. Mm-hmm. He suspects people will fall back on personal biases and preconceived stereotypes of what a terrorist looks like when making the decision to report someone to the police. That just plays into the negative elements of society and doesn't really help the situation. After the September 11 attacks, the Bush administration proposed enlisting postal carriers, gas and electric company workers, telephone repairmen, and other workers with access to private homes in a program to report suspicious behavior to the FBI. Privacy advocates condemned this as too intrusive, and the plan was dropped. Bratton and LAPD Commander Joan McNamara, or McNamara, excuse me, who developed iWatch, says privacy and civil liberties protections are built into the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to see that. We're not asking we read people you to your spy on their rights and then beat you up. Right. Yeah. Uh, actually, we've cuffed you. If someone reports something based on race or ethnicity, the police will not accept the report, and someone will explain to the caller why that is not an indicator of suspicious behavior, McNamara said. Uh, that's just like that, that guy who just got shot in his home. He said there was a somebody broke into his home, mm-hmm. and the police came in and shot him. He was trying to protect his kids, and they shot him, and they asked him why, and they said, well, he was Hispanic. (laughs) So that was their answer. This is just in the news. If if someone reports something based on race or ethnicity, okay, they said they will not do it. The iWatch program isn't the first to list possible indicators of suspicious behavior. Some cities, like Miami, have offered a public list of seven signs of possible terrorism. Federal agencies. If they're wearing shorts, if they have short hair. But also if they have long hair. If they have suntans. If they have suntans. If yeah. they look like they've ever been to a beach. Right. If they so, look like they might own a boat. There you go. The surveillance society just tightens its neck. Yep. But it's or okay. Loose, because it's loose around our neck. Excuse me. It's no big deal because none of it's real. You're crazy. Well, that's beside the point. Yeah. What you got there? Do we want to hear about uh, the sleep paralysis or how the British security... Planned to blow up the Sinn Féin headquarters in the 70s? Or do we want to hear about, hear about how the Russian and Chinese are no longer using the dollar in oil and gas dealings? I want to hear about uh, sleep paralysis. All right. I'll take that for 20. Yeah, this is uh, E-Zine from E-Zine Articles. Uh, sleep paralysis is classified clinically as parasomnia. It, consistent, it consists primarily of an inability to perform voluntary movements either at sleep onset or upon awakening. It is usually accompanied by other bodily sensations, uh, none of which are pleasant. Uh, This can be a very frightening experience. The reader writes, I used to have this problem myself, or the writer writes. Uh, I experienced this problem over 20 years ago. For me, it happened only when I was about to fall asleep. It happened repeatedly, though not every time I went to bed. As I was about to fall asleep, I would suddenly become paralyzed. Additionally, there was this awful feeling that was always the same. My head felt like a moving drill bit, uh, and there was nothing I could do about it. It was scary. A moving drill bit? Yeah. I don't know what that means Mm. exactly. Uh, The interesting thing about this, uh, having studied a lot of this, is that what a lot of times happens is uh, there's also a a double-tone sound that people hear right before this happens, which is hooked to uh, uh, things like MKUltra and um, Mm. out-of-body experiences and stuff. Hmm. So now, if 
any description of what that tone is like? They know um, anything what this what it sounds like? Well, I could I could sing it, but then we could we'd both go out of our bodies and explode. Oh. Well, I was just thinking if if you knew more about what it was, if you heard it, mm-hmm. you could maybe tell yourself, "Don't believe what's happening next." Yeah, but there's a better way to get rid of it. Okay. Um uh the uh he writes, "I'm a Christian." I experienced this problem before and after I got saved. Uh, Getting saved made no difference whatsoever, which is an interesting thing. After I got saved, however, I tried using the Bible. When the paralysis came on, I I said out loud, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. The paralysis and associated symptoms immediately disappeared. Um, Talk about a faith builder for a new Christian. Mm -hmm. This happened a number of times. Each time the same thing happened. Then it happened again. I tried to rebuke Satan as before, but it could, but I could not talk because he was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So I prayed, Dear Lord, I pray for you to rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Instantly the problem disappeared. I don't remember if this happened only once or twice, but the problem has, gone, has been gone for over 20 years. In researching this problem on the Internet, I am amazed uh, at how many people suffer from sleep paralysis how much they have suffered, and how big of a problem this has been for people. In some of my research, I've noticed that most of the time people recognize the spiritual aspect of it. They said that bad things are happening to them on many mm-hmm. different levels, but they don't, they're just like, but somehow I have to embrace it. Or Right. You know. um, some people are even prescribed psychotropic medication. It is possible that some people may not have the instant results I experienced. I'm not a counselor. I know from clinical experience that other types of hallucinations do not always disappear just because the devil is rebuked in the name of Jesus. They don't disappear because the devil has a spiritual foothold, uh, uh, usually as a result of anger. Um, Also very interesting. However, from what I have been able to gather over the Internet, I believe my experience is typical. I have never had a client with sleep paralysis. If you are saved, just pray and or rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. In my experience, rebuking the devil does the trick. You don't have to also say demons. You can do the same for other similar hallucinations. Uh, if you experience a demonic attack in the middle of the night, never try to rebuke the devil until you first get saved. That is potentially dangerous. No kidding. Mm. If you're not saved, you can learn how to get saved by visiting my website uh, below, which I foolishly neglected to, to go to. So that's it. As far as I know, you now have everything you need to solve this problem permanently. Uh, and this gentleman uh, has a website, which I also neglected to put on. His name is James Serio. Uh, he's got a master, master's degree in something. And um, his website focuses on biblical solutions to common health issues. Does this come from his website or some other news source? Uh, it came from Easing Articles, which publishes all sorts of articles about yeah. Just whatever. If people are concerned that they're having an event like this, where can they go to read more? Stopsleepparalysis.org. Okay. Yeah. Is that sort of a portal? Not like a spiritual portal, but a internet portal. <laughs> LOM is there, yeah. yeah. An internet um, portal to to get. Yeah. Well, there's actually right there, right on the front page, is a is a um, uh, a video. Um, they do they do all sorts of stuff. They'll do you know mm. to help you out. There's somebody you can email there. Okay. So, well. All of you all, please, uh, if you're a regular listener, if something has just happened, if you have a friend of yours mm-hmm. who said something like this, if you're a brand new listener that just happened to hear it on the radio, mm-hmm. maybe God was behind that. So Maybe. 
that. Would you like me to do something a little different? Now, something completely different. Now for something completely different. Okay. This is about the Conservative Bible Project. Oh, yeah, I know. From Conservapedia. Awesome. And, you know, some people think that real we're big-time liberals because sometimes we Because kick. they don't understand what conservative and liberal means. Well, Sorry. We, we, kick, we, <laughs> we kick a lot of people on the right because, I, my personal opinion is, I have high standards for their understanding. I think some of the more liberal concepts and ideas, it should be pretty obvious to people some of the problems. Sure. With making big government God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've come from a conservative background. I'm really more of a constitutional libertarian, I think I would describe myself. Mm -hmm. But I come from that. But it's funny that some people mistakenly think that, you know, a lot of times we'll go after people on the right or mm -hmm. Republican or whatever. And it's because sometimes that's a little bit more deceptive for people, yeah. for Christians. Stuff on the left, it's, it's more obvious. The heathen is going to do what the heathen is going to do. Right. Yeah. So liberal bias has become the single biggest distortion model Modern Bible translations. This is from Conservapedia. Did you know there was a Conservapedia? No, but nothing surprises yeah. me anymore. There are three sources of errors in conveying biblical meaning. Uh, increasing amount, the lack of precision in the original language. Uh, false. <laughs> Such as terms underdeveloped can convey new concepts introduced by Christ. Lack of precision in modern language. True. Transition bias in converting the original language to the modern. Okay. Uh... But it says uh, experts in ancient languages are helpful in reducing the first type, which is a vanishing source of error as scholarship advances. English language linguists are helpful in reducing the second type of error, which decreases due to increasing vocabulary. But the third and largest source of translation error, according to them, requires conservative principles to reduce and eliminate. <laughs> as, of as of 2009, there is no fully conservative translation of the Bible, which is really what we've needed all along. What we need is a we conservative need, translation of the to, Bible. We need to adjust the Bible. Come on, God, why can't you get on board with our neoconservative beliefs? We need the Bible to fit our political needs. Not not that mm. we would need our political goals to fit the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's always vice versa. What we need is a framework against liberal liberals. Okay. As of 2009, there's no fully conservative translation of the Bible that satisfies the following ten guidelines. Okay. This is what the Bible now has to start to get itself in line with. Framework against liberal bias. Not emasculated, avoiding unisex, gender-inclusive language. Not dumbed down. Not dumbed down the reading level or diluting the intellectual force. Uh, it says, for example, the NIV is written at only the seventh grade level. Well, they'd better improve our school systems if they... You know, want to be able to raise that. This is that. like from the twi uh, we we review a lot of weird yeah, stuff, but this is another level. Utilize powerful conservative terms, using powerful new conservative terms, uh, that would help. Uh, defective translations uses words comrade three times as often as volunteer. Uh, so, like they want to change words that have changed meaning, such as word, peace, and miracle. Harmful uh, combat, harmful addiction. Combating addiction by using modern terms for it, such as gamble rather than cast lots. Uh, register rather than enroll for the census. You know, that's so critical. I mean, that could be life or death and people's salvation when they get that right. Yeah. Um, I like number eight. Yeah, okay. Accept the logic of hell. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, express free market parables. Sweet. Explaining the numerous parables Sweet. with their full free market meaning. Uh, number eight. Jesus was a capitalist ex man. Exclude later inserted liberal passages. 
excluding the later insert liberal passages that are not authentic. His whole, like, healing people was really like a multi-level marketing scheme. Well, such as the adulterous story, they're saying, was a liberal add-on. It was just basically for a liberal purpose. Credit open-mindedness of disciples. Um, And then prefer conciseness over liberal wordiness. Evidently, if somebody's wordy, that shows them that they're liberal. You gotta be quiet to be conservative. Preferring conciseness to the liberal style of high word to substance ratio. Avoid compound negatives. See, I didn't know that was a hallmark of liberalism. I guess the conservative, you have to be subject, verb, object. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says consistent use of the word Lord rather than Jehovah or Yahweh or Lord God. So a project has begun among members of Conservapedia to translate the Bible in accordance with these principles. Oh, they're not even reporting this? They're just, they're, they're behind it. They're behind it. And it can be found here called the Conservative Bible online. Uh, includes a mastery of the Bible, a mastery of the English language, uh, benefiting from activity that no public school would ever allow. A Conservative Bible could become a text for public school courses. Liberals will oppose this effort, but they will have to read the Bible to criticize this, and that will open their minds. So that's the real read. sneaky thing. They'd have to read the Bible to refute it. Okay, um, so anyway, so some of their approaches, they're going to identify pro-liberal terms used in the existing translations, such as government, and suggest more accurate substitutes. Omission of liberal terms, uh, such as uh, gambling, uh, and identify conservative terms that were omitted from existing translations, and identify terms that have lost their original meaning. So, You know, anyway. Jesus was a Republican. You know, the... His his uh, seamless garment was actually all red. Now we're going to be labeled terrorists, lefty liberals. Terrorists. If we keep we're saying a terrorist. That. I'm a terrorist. Tom Bionic's a terrorist because oh, he doesn't support the conservative Bible project. It says here where the King James version is known to be deficient due to discovery of more authentic sources. Exceptions can be made that use more modern public domain translations. So that's Sweet. very interesting. I know a lot of our listeners would be very intrigued to hear that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're talking about all sorts of passages like uh, liberal falsehood where Jesus said, Father, forgive them that they don't know what they're doing. Are you kidding me? The liberal corruption of the uh, originals, according to these people. And the story about the master committed the dishonest manager for acting shrewdly. Oh, this uh, is crazy. This is crazy. Crazy. So anyway, I might want to look it up. Conservative Bible. I don't know much about the people behind it. It almost sounds like a joke to me. Yeah, that's got to be. There, there's something fishy going on there. That's got to be like a but trap. It's interesting, nevertheless. It's a trap set for Tom Bionic and Dr. Future. <laughs> could be. Could be. Yeah. We're, we're pretty slow-witted. We fall into them easy. We're like the Mr. Magoo of Christian radio. <laughs> Any other stories you got for us? Oh, it's just like where to begin. Oh, man. What there, about British Security? All right. British Security Services, MI5, plan to blow up the Sinn Féin headquarters. Uh, there in Belfast. This is from the Belfast Telegraph. British security services plotted to blow up Sinn Féin's Dublin headquarters during the height of the troubles. It wasn't Belfast, sorry, it was Dublin. Headquarters during the heights of the troubles, uh, a former undercover police officer has claimed. IRA informer was asked to place the bomb in the offices on Kevin Street in the summer of 1971, according to George Clark, with an E, a retired Royal Ulster Constabulary Special Branch Detective Sergeant. The counterterrorism officer who left the police more than 20 years ago said the security services eventually decided not to go through with the attacks. 
but not before he had put the proposition to his source. He made the claims in Border Crossing, his newly published memoir of his time working in the RUC's intelligence unit. Well, I thought terrorism was just done by terrorists that wanted to attack our way of life. You're you're actually implying that a government official. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that we can clearly discern that this guy's a Muslim. Why is that? Because he wanted to do terrorism. So it wasn't. No, he was instructed to by the government. You know, but yeah, but that means he's a Muslim because he wanted to do terrorism. Man, you're messing with my mind here. He had to be like. Yeah, he's doing terrorism. What if somebody just tuned in and don't know we're pulling the audience's leg? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I that's go get, it. i got to go get a show called Normal Quake and just do like really Norm, Normal Quake? That sounds like an exciting yeah. show there. Welcome to Non-Quake, where yeah. everything is flat and dry and monotone. Yeah. We don't say anything provocative. Nothing is provocative. Everything is one-sided, just like the thin steak I had last night. Well, we got two and a half minutes. Any, you want to summarize something there or just sure. pontificate? Here's another one. Oh, gosh. Uh, Russia is ready to consider using the Russian and Chinese national currencies instead of the dollar and bilateral oil and gas dealings, Prime Minister Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday. This is from RAI uh, Novosti, mm-hmm. uh, their Russian news services. Mm-hmm. The premier, currently on a visit to Beijing, said a final decision on the issue can only be made after a thorough expert analysis. Yesterday, energy companies, in particular Gazprom, largest gas Mm -hmm. uh, uh, company in the world, raised the question of using the national currency. We are ready to examine the possibility of selling energy resources for ruples, but our Chinese partners need ruples for that. We are ready to sell for yans, uh, yen, uh, Chinese. Wands, yeah. Wands, yeah, sorry. Putin said, he stressed that there should be a balance here. On Tuesday, Russia and China Russia and China agreed terms for Russian gas deliveries at a level of up to 70 billion cubic meters a year. Russia also imports oil from Russia. The Russian prime minister said that the issue would be addressed, among others, at a meeting of Shanghai Cooperation Organization mm-hmm. finance ministers who are to convene before the end of the year in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Them and Borat. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the the message I get from that is the dollar's toast. Well, I mean, from other information we're getting. Well, yeah, the I'm jet, hearing it from everywhere. Uh, the dollar's toast. The undersecretary, uh, the assistant secretary of the Japanese uh, uh, treasury said the same thing. He said, mm-hmm. dollar, it has to go away. Mm-hmm. He was pretty explicit about it. Wow. Where does that leave us? People might want to listen to that Iceland show again with Mike Fitzgerald about yep. what happens to a nation when things go bust overnight. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, then then people can find time for spiritual needs once there's no mm-hmm. work to be done anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing to go shopping with. Well, there's a um, well, that's true. Uh, like you've like you've intimated in the past, maybe what we need to do is just invest in forever stamps. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, average about eight percent increase per year in return. Wow. They're always worth one ounce of postage. Yeah. They're 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 pegged to a uh, you know mm-hmm. standard value or something. That'd be interesting. Unless you know our postal system breaks down. Yeah, we'll start trading in postal stamps. <laughs> well, someone who does have answers like that is Merv. So Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com. 
suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. I don't like that look in his eye. He looked like he was going postal. Yeah, for stamps. Yeah. Well, that's it. All right, uh, man. Ready to say goodbye? Goodbye. Okay. A little bit weird uh, tomorrow's tremors, but we had a lot of information and news there. We sure love all of you all out there, all of you Futurians. Come back next week for another uh, interesting show. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Dos Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.